the joy is in the giving of it, right? The joy, the growing of it is the passion. But then when it's all said and done and you get, you know, Callie, the thing about cannabis is this. I can grow medicine. I can, I can grow it out. I can look at it. I can see it. I can taste it. I can smash it. I can freeze it. I can press it and smoke the flower. And then I can put that in seed form and give it to you. You can't do that with any other freaking medicine we got out there. You know what I'm saying? That is the magic of cannabis, dude. You're listening to Crafting Cannabis with your hosts, Early Bird Auto Grows, Blackwater Grows, and Rooter Allister. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Welcome back, y'all. We have a, uh, a guest today. If you'd like to introduce yourself, sir, go right ahead. Hello. My name is Kevin. Uh, OK Calyx on Instagram, OK Calyx Genetics also. And I'm from Oklahoma. How y'all doing? Right on. Good, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Oh, so yeah. uh, first and foremost, um, I know that your specialty overall is uh, organic, natural, just in general, right? Yeah. But um, right. you specialize in uh, Jadam, so we'll get into that a little bit for sure. But uh, yep. you homestead, and I was just wondering if you could talk about that for a few. Just tell us, like, kind of get us in the mindset of the type of growing we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I don't have any animals. Um, I got five kids, can't have animals right now. It's crazy, too much nuttiness. But I do grow tons of food and, of course, cannabis. Um. Out here in my home, there's about an acre that I can mess with, <clears throat> which eventually it's not a lot. You know, once you start trying to put some gardens in, some fruit trees in, things like that, things grow. And it's like, golly, that got big and took up a lot of space. So a little planning to get everything in you need. You can't grow everything. You got to grow things that will grow well in your environment and will produce for you. So it takes a few years to kind of run through a couple of things, but. Kind of where I am now, getting settled in on a couple of things. Cannabis definitely grows here quite well. <laughs> Taters and okra, cucumbers, tomatoes, things that like the heat. Um, carrots, I can't grow carrot for nothing in this soil. I don't know why, but viney things mm-hmm. love it because it's humid and hot. That's why yeah. at this time of year when it's growing season, it's humid and hot. So viney things like to just vine up and grow. <laughs> nice. Nice. Awesome. Man, that sounds great. So you're definitely further south than I am. So it sounds like you got a really nice environment. What kind of like, so when you grow outside, what kind of size are you looking at? I know it's strain dependent, but you're usually probably on the larger end of things, I would imagine. Yeah, my, I was actually going to measure my plants today, not even thinking about this question being asked, but they, I'm looking at it right now. They're they're over a, they're over a seven foot fence. Let's see. They're probably about nine and a half, 10 feet tall right now. Jesus. <laughs> Damn. Outside. Damn. Work. Nice. But like I said, a lot, a lot of them are bent over flat. I've got two of them that just go straight up. But a few of them are, are leaned out, and some of them are bent over flat to just have fun with. But if I let them go, they will go. They're going to get close to 15 feet, I'm sure. 12 to 15 feet, you know. I don't know what. Uh, this There's one strain I've got. It's called Chariana Grande. And it's a cross between Beliefs, Chimera 2, and um, Humboldt County's Very Cherry. And Chimera 2 stretched into week seven in my inside place called Gasoline Alley. It hit the ceiling in week five, and I had to just bend the plant in half 
and it just kept growing and growing until I harvested it. It's unbelievable. And so I've got one pheno of Cheriana Grande that is super tall. It's one of the tall ones. And then I got another pheno of Cheriana Grande that was a short bush. And so the mama of Cheriana Grande, which was Chimera 2, she's a grower. Very cherry is a short bushy plant. So it was really easy to see the two phenos whenever we hunted these. And I, and I kept one <clears throat> that I think is very cherry and one that is Chimera leaning so we can kind of see where we're going with it. But that chimera too, I mean, I'm not even in flower yet, y'all. Like, I, I use supplemental lighting because we will have cloudy skies and rainstorms hit, you know. And if you get too much darkness, it'll trigger the flower. I have one plant that got triggered in flower. But I have external lighting, supplemental lighting going on them. And I'm going to keep that into July. <laughs> They're going to go nuts. They're going to be humongous. What I'll have to worry about is them breaking over. They will, they'll snap. I got, I got to go and get these big, long bamboos. Uh, I got a bamboo grow out here by my house. I use it for all kinds of things, but these bamboos, man, they're 60 feet tall. They're humongous. <laughs> they're about, you know, they're big as my head and they're super tall. They're the real, they're invasive, but they're, Oklahoma has what I, what we call river bamboo. It's as big as your finger. It won't get any bigger. It's hollow. It's not, it's worthless, but this is that oriental bamboo, you know, yeah. it, it, it knocks when the wind blows and it, it's scary in there when it's dark and, I get IMO from there. Those are microbes and stuff like that. But I need to go cut a big, long bamboo, a couple of them, and get it good and staked up because it's going to break. I guarantee it. I don't. I've already got them mm. real staked up, but they've grown a foot and a half past the, the last time I've staked them up. Jeez. That's awesome. Well, uh, let's start. Let's go a little deep on that light cycle for a second because a lot of our listeners are home growers, tent growers, but some grow outside. And, uh, yeah, what what do you uh, can you can you go into that a little bit when you talk about using supplemental lighting outside? Yeah, so like I think it was June twenty first was the longest day of the year the, for the longest light of the right. of the year, right? The summer solstice, <clears throat> I believe is what it's called. Um, so that was the that is that's as much daylight as you're going to get here in Oklahoma. In my I can only speak for me. I haven't zoned y'all out. I don't know what what y'all in, but for my zone, that was the longest brightest the longest day of sunlight so with cannabis plants they're triggered by darkness they're not triggered by light <clears throat> uh you know when the receptor cell doesn't get triggered with photons it will switch that plant into flower and so too much darkness creates flower uh flowering conditions um so if let's say um at let's say at 10 o'clock in the morning storms come in dark clouds gonna rain all day rain until 10 o'clock at night there's not enough sunlight, not enough photons hitting that plant during the day at all. And then you're going to go into the nighttime, which is zero photons, and you're going to trigger your plant. In one stormy day, you, you triggered your plant into flower. And so you got to understand that if it was stormy, you got to get those lights on out there. If you don't want them going into the flower and having to deal with reveg, and like I said, I got one plant in reveg. It's a margwall from Belief. And I might just cut it down because I can't stand reveg. It's too much work. They're like a bratty child. You got to could deal with them constantly and if you don't have your eye on them all the time you know they're not going to do what you want so i that's why i have supplemental lighting so that enough photons hit those leaves that they don't trigger the you know the i can't remember the name of that that cell in the plant but it doesn't trigger that cell and switch it into flower no are we talking about like um are you measuring you know, the at the at the plant level to get a certain PPFD or you flood <laughs> no, I'm not them? measuring no 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 I'm not measuring it at all. I'm just making sure I got bright halogens on them, you know, and uh there there any kind of darkness that I need to have. I always even if sure. it's sunny, like today is real sunny, I'll still put them on 
um, until about two in the morning. I'll get about six hours of darkness, eight hours of darkness, well, six hours of darkness now. But the, the whole point is I want these beasts of veg plants, and I want them to have grown in veg, healthy, not being stressed. I do a little low-stress training. I bend them, but I don't break and all that stuff. I want them to, you know, it's like a racehorse. We, we're coming into the time where I can't hold back flour anymore. And that's, you know, then it's over and we switch it. We switch horses and we're doing something different. So I'm trying to get the veg plant as big and healthy and as many tops and nodes and all that stuff, trying to trim it all up, get it per perfect for flowering conditions. Because once September hits here in Oklahoma, it'll be 100 degrees with 100% humidity for five weeks straight. And it'll be awful. If you don't know what you're doing, wow. you lose every bit of your plant to bud rot. And it's happened to me many times. But, you know, last four or five years, it hasn't because I've been able to actually use things that will prevent bud rot. You know, back in the day when you grill or grow, you just, you just, whatever, you know, you, some people would use seven dust on their cannabis plants, man. That's poison. That's <laughs> uh, like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. So I just let mine go. It's like, you can't, you're not going to go to the store and be like, listen, I got a fat, chunky plant. I got a fat canvas plant out in the woods, man. It's in like week four flyer. What do you got? And no one's <laughs> going to look on YouTube either because you're afraid they're, you know, the FBI is tracking you and all that. You mm -hmm. just don't, yeah. you just don't chance it. You just, it is what it is. The bug's going to eat it. The bud rot's going to get it. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose it. So the, the way I grow my plants now, again, is just from knowing that humidity is coming. What's what we talked about in that growcast, actually, a whole lot. You know, we were talking about that earlier. Um, preparing your plants constantly here in Oklahoma for 100% for humidity, 100-degree temps. Your plants will rot in one day. I have, I have to have fans outside underneath my plants blowing straight up. I'll usually have two or three fans just on for eight, month, eight weeks straight because that's what it takes. Wow, that's wild, dude. That's adapt. That's adaptability on the grower's part, man. That's that's an intense environment. So, yeah. do you have any of this going in like a like a greenhouse, or is it just straight up outside? All my stuff's straight up outside. So you just it got fans in, in, going outside all the time. I've run electricity to all, all parts of this little place out here, so I can get a plug in real quick if I need it. Um, oh wow! And I got Darn I got right. electricity over there by those plants, so. <laughs> I that's can what's plug up. in whatever I need to, <clears throat> but that's the best way. I, I don't have to have that. You know what I'm saying? I've done it without it before, but this is, this is five years now of legal growing and being able to do whatever I want and really trying to perfect it and, and make the right conditions or buy things that I can have and, you know, use just for cannabis. It just makes it a whole different, it's a whole new ball game when it became legal here in Oklahoma. I'm still, I still feel weird about growing cannabis. Like it just doesn't yeah. leave you when you've when you've been growing it when you grill a grew, and you did it for medicine. I was doing it for medicine, not not to be cool, not with anything. I was like, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm on the wagon. I don't drink alcohol. I'm taking the pills. I was like, this is the way I'm going. So screw it. Whatever comes my way comes my way. But I got to have cannabis because it just works with me. And so, well, I, uh, after after legalization five years ago, I you know now you can just grow it well. It's easy. It's okay. easier. It's not easy. Let me oh. say that wrong. <laughs> I get definitely Damn. jealous. I would love to be messing with plants at the scale that you're talking about. So like that might, that's a good segue to your IPM. How do you, how do you keep passing? How do you keep rot out of a plant that size? Yeah. So the most important thing is that, you, oh yeah, I grow in no-till. I'm organic and all that stuff. So I have what's called no-till. So that's just where you just constantly put stuff on the ground and microbes come up and eat it and pull it down. You don't you don't bother it. Mm. Um, 
but a healthy plant will defend itself. That's one of the main, that's again, that's why I'm trying to get my plants and veg that are healthy, big, strong, because they can put out things that defend, you know, antibacterial things that can defend itself. If it's healthy enough, it can. And so that's the number one thing. If I get healthy plants, I know I'm going to be okay. But like um, in the organic world, you use uh, like citric acid to to kind of help prevent bud rot. You use um, water-soluble calcium to help with mold, um, sulfurs, things like that. There's there's things in the organic world that will help you. Um, now, granted, you spray some chemical on there, and it's a it's a big difference. Like it'll get rid of the mold fast, and it's like oh, or it'll prevent it totally, you know. But you got the chemicals on there. So in the organic world, we're just trying to just trying to use things we can make. And um, there are some products though that you can buy, you know. Mm. that have omery on it whatever that might mean but at least it's closer to the or it's trying to go organic you know right but so do you utilize like uh hot peppers at all in your uh in your mixes like do you have jadon yeah for ipm correct well i have one thing it's called a em5 effective a lot of people know what em1 is you can buy that it's a copyrighted name um you can buy it and and produce your EM1s, EM2s, and all EM3s and EM4s. But then when you get into EM5, it's actually when you start to add, um, you add uh, peppers and lemons and oranges and citrusy things, you know, irritants, and you let it uh, ferment in EM, uh, basically what it is. I let mine ferment in a homemade EM, which is which is labs mixed with molasses, equal equal weight, so that shelf stabilizes itself and it won't it won't continue to ferment in that high sugary condition, right? It's dorm the microbes are dormant. I used that uh, and added all this all the peppers and lemons and cinnamon and things like that. And you can use that and it I mean it helps. You the thing with organics is you have to be more consistent. You you can't miss a time because it's a thin layer of stuff you're putting on there. It's not a chemical that's staying there and transforming things, whatever the chemicals do. But uh, one rain is going to wash everything off. And so you got to be back on your, you got to be on your game with organics. It's not hard. You just, it's organic. You just got to be with it more. You know, you, if you're organic, you want to be out in it anyway. You want to have your hands on and feeling dirt and smelling things and mm. uh, whatnot. So yes, I use peppers in some of that, in some of my IPMs. I use what's called OHN, Oriental Herbal Nutrient. It is a, it's something that is made in the KNF, in the KNF world, uh, made with alcohols and different spices, gingers, uh, you got uh, ginger, garlic, cinnamon, star anise, turmeric, things like that. And it's soaked in beers and alcohol. So using that, and uh, there's a product called Venerate. And it's something that you can actually buy. And um, it really helps with uh, funguses and molds. And it's actually, I've learned about it when I was having to keep clones. When I was able to start cloning about four years ago and keep actually keep strains and breeds and not just hope a plant pops out of seed and use that to grow next year or whatever, start cloning. And then you're entering a whole new world of, oh gosh, you know, you got bacteria, molds want to get in that little shell. And you know, you don't know what you're doing because you've never done it before, but Venerate saved my clones and I still use it. Uh, I will, I will use it in veg, but when I go into flower, there's pretty much nothing going on with plants. There might be OHN, uh, a JMS is something it's called Jadon microbial solution. It's a high microbe solution that, that I use as a foliar. And the whole point is if uh, pathogens don't have a home on your leaf, they won't be there. So you want microbes on there. You want you want your microbes constantly on the leaf, on the stem, on the surface, on the soil, 
you know, microbes are the goal. They're the, the protectors. They're the ones that do all the work. Nice. Absolutely. Well, so, okay. So a lot of our listeners know what KNF is, Korean natural farming, um, probably less yeah. know what Jadam is. What, what made you, uh, if you don't mind, just like give us an overview of the difference and what made you say you're a Jadam guy and not a KNF guy? Like what's, uh, what was the history there? Uh, overview of the two, uh, KNF, uh, contra Jadam. It's not versus, it's just a, it's just no. a different, another road you know whatever Korean natural farming um, whenever you hear somebody say master cho that is the man that started Korean natural farming he and his son and i'm not even gonna try to pronounce all their names let's go with it he uh master cho and his son early on in their in the early on in this study they they actually went to japan and they learned a bunch of japanese methods and they came back to korea and you know adjusted them for their environment and started what's called Korean, Korean natural farming. And in Korean natural farming, everything is aerobic as opposed to anaerobic, which is Jadam. Korean natural farming, everything is aerobic. They use lots of brown sugar, so things smell sweet. There's uh, good beery ferments that happen, so things will smell yeasty and, and sweet. Um, they use, uh, like I said, they use lots of, lots of brown sugars. So brown sugar is used because it's easy to purchase. First of all, it's a cheap product and it's re it's a uh, sustainable. And um, what it does is that brown sugar, as opposed to using molasses, some people try to use molasses, but you want brown sugar because it's dry. There's a dry there's a factor to it that pulls in moisture, whereas molasses is mostly water. So the brown sugar will pull moisture out of plant material. And it, when it does that, it actually pulls nutrient out also. And um, sorry, I slapped the spider off of me, dang. <laughs> it pulls nutrients. That's scary. That's worth a slap, man. That scared me to death. It's black. I don't know what it was. He, he's swinging on his back uh, porch, y'all. He's got a nice back porch swing. That's where he's at. Yeah, I had a critter on me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, good. So that brown sugar, pull when it pulls moisture out, it pulls nutrient out also. And what will happen is that brown sugar, because of uh, osmotic pressure, it pulls new moisture into it, and it'll pull it'll pull moisture out of microbiology when the conditions are high enough. That's what makes microbes stabilized in those sugary environments, and that's another reason they use they use sugar, is because at, at a certain level, microbes stop working. If you've ever made beer, you'll know that when you use certain yeasts. They can only produce alcohol in a certain sugary environment at, at a certain level. That's why you measure your bricks and all this stuff at certain sugary levels. Microbes stop. Now, there are some microbes that can go higher. And if you want a high gravity beer, you got to know what microbes to use. The, just a basic champagne yeast, you know, gets you about 12. You got to understand what microbes are using. So the microbes that I brew up and I use, you know, they can once alcohol is start to be made in these ferments, the microbes really start to chill out and uh, yeasts will take over and turn alcohol into vinegar. There's still another step that will happen, but most microbiology goes dormant in sugary environments. So use brown sugar uh, to mix with rice and microbes, which is called IMO2. But um, so that's the KNF side is lots of fermentation, aerobic fermentation, things smell good, lots of sugar and all that. Now, that's Master Cho. Now, his son, Young Sang Cho, his son, 
created what was called Jadam. And Jadam is a Korean word that means people who grow as nature does or live as people who live as nature does. It's just Ooh. people who are in tune with nature and do things the way nature does. You know, it's one word that encompasses that whole idea. <clears throat> but if um, you if the, the Jadam book is online, it's a PDF. It's free. Just type in Jadam book PDF. You'll find it. And page 175 is JLF. And I tell everybody, go there. because That's the first thing you're going to make is a Jadam liquid fertilizer. However, Young Sang Cho, he learned his father's uh, Korean methods. He learned all the brown sugars and all that stuff. But then when he gets into, I believe, his schooling and he takes on agriculture, what he went to school for, he takes on this project of trying to help. And it says it in the Jadam book. You can read it. Try to help poor communist farmers create a low-cost, effective method of organic growing. One of the principles of Jadam is ultra-low-cost, ultra-low-cost. Like you're actually trying to do what's called close the loop. And on an organic farm or a homestead or even an organic grower, you can close the loop, meaning you cycle your own things to create all you need. You don't have to go out and purchase anything. Everything is on your little homestead or you've saved up enough organic materials that you can create your dirt, you can create your nutrients, and you can grow your your food and your medicines. And the, that's the whole point of Janam is to give people methods that are ultra low cost or totally free that can be totally done at your home. It can't be done in an apartment building on the third floor. It ain't like that. You got to have some land. You got to have a little, you got to have space. You can have neighbors, but you got to have a little space to have a jug and a five-gallon buckets, you know, and a compost bin, things like that, a garden. Um, so... Again, Jadam means ultra. Jadam is ultra low cost, and the point was to help these communist farmers not have to go out and buy anything because, first of all, they couldn't. They yeah. didn't have the financial ability or or means to go buy stuff. You know, right. that might be a hard concept for some of us to understand, but it's real in other places, and people really struggle to grow their own food, or they won't have food. Now, the, these are the guys that use this Jadam method. These Jadam methods, I should say. Um, and in Jadam, it's all aerobic, or sorry, it's all anaerobic as opposed to aerobic, which is KNF. Anaerobic means microbes that don't need oxygen, basically, is what that means. Aerobic means microbes that, that can live in live in high oxygen uh, environments. But with Jadam, everything is the way nature does it. And if you if you watch nature, every year she lets go of all her leaves or the grass falls down animals die things poop it all just layers on top of each other and it basically creates a protective crust for what's going on beneath which are your microbes your shredders and all kinds of things like that are happening and um that that is like uh let's see what was i saying oh yeah anaerobic anaerobic microbes is what is what jadam is and whenever you see Mother Nature layering up, you know, after so many layers happen, you don't get a lot of aerobic microbes. You get a lot of anaerobic microbes deep down in the earth, basically where the soil is. And if and if you don't have good drainage, then you have all anaerobic microbes, which can become a problem. But deep down, it's all – I mean, it's a whole bunch of anaerobic microbes. So my point is don't be afraid of anaerobic microbes. It, it's okay. I use only anaerobic microbes. That's all I create. That's all I make. That's all Jadam is. It's anaerobic because they're cheap. It's the same microbes that's in your gut. This, those microbes are anaerobic, and the yeah. same microbes that will be in JLF will be the ones that are in your gut, chewing organic matter up, releasing energies, and all these things. And in the Jadam world, uh, you make what's called JLF, Jadam liquid fertilizer, 
And this is what that is. It's a bucket. It's a, you got to get a huge bucket and you fill it with any kind of ma- green vegetative material. Food scraps work. Uh, garbage dumpster. I, I'm a dumpster diver. I get stuff out of a fruit market dumpster and out of a, a local grocery market dumpster here. And nice. if I can use it, I will use it organically. And um, you put all of that food, uh, mowed grass, brown leaves, green leaves, um, I go and clip um, any like sunflower leaves, you know, anything that falls to the ground and has nutrient and will be recycled. All of that can be manipulated into a barrel, fill it up with that material, and then you fill it with water until that water level covers the material. And you can put a lid on if you want, but what's going to happen is anaerobic microbes are going to start chewing on the organic matter and they will pull out nutrients and they will store nutrients in their bodies, but they will also pull out nutrient into the liquid itself. And after about one month, you will be able to use, and bear with me, after one month of making this JLF sauce, you know, this liquid fertilizer, you use about 10 cups into a five gallon bucket and that will be all you need to water my big massive plants. That would be all it needs. If you have a JLF that goes one year, about a year approximately, you'll use about a quart in a five-gallon bucket to water 10-foot plants. It's and it's free. It you just takes time, right? In organics, you got time or you got you got money. You, you either have the money to buy it from somebody who who made it, or you took the time to make it yourself totally free. That's a great and some point. things like fish amino acids, you know, that, those take years. It takes a long time. So there's always that dude out there that's making – Marco's growing. He's one of those guys that's got fish amino acids up right now. It takes, you know, a good year or more to make that stuff. Uh, but you can purchase it from somebody immediately because, you know, you didn't have the time. But I, I try to make everything I have because I know that it just takes time. And if I start it now, pretty soon I'll have it. So I'm always – always busy i'm a crossover though i i make i make knf stuff because i sell stuff because there's lots mm-hmm. of people like i said a guy in a third floor store a story building on the third floor he wants to do some organic stuff he can't make anything he has no hope he has zero hope of making yeah. the amount of organic inputs that he needs to run a couple grows he can make a small little batch you know that'll feed a plant for a few weeks but but smells come into play and yeah. you can't offend yeah. people that's why i say you yeah. guys have some space for organics so, but if you buy things from people, it's one method, one way to help. But kind of got off there of Jadam and KNF. No, dude, I love. Oh, you're good. I love it. All the this is absolutely priceless info. This is great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your knowledge you. about this with us. Um, so, yeah. how, how many how many notes are involved in this process? Do you have to record keep, or do you get to a point where you can just kind of feel each of these steps and what you're supposed to do next? Yeah, it's a good point. You get to know everything. The one thing about organics is the first thing people talk about are all the acronyms. They're like, man, I can't, yeah. I don't know everything. IMO, you know, JLF, JMS, and the, the list goes on. It's all acronymed out. It's like military, you know, if you've been in the military stuff, everything's got an acronym on it. And you got to know those things, but eventually, you know, exactly what's being said. And the acronym is just a faster way to speak. Because, you know, the J, JLF, Jadam uh, Liquid Fertilizer, just the faster to say JLF and it's a lot faster to type JLF than it is to type genome liquid fertilizer. So everything will go to the acronym. So just, just be patient with it. The acronyms are necessarily there. People can rewind and look them up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's a list of things online, man. I'll tell you what, people ask me questions often that if they would type that in Google, the the answer would be there. Just go, go look up a YouTube, anything you're going to find it. And it's okay to ask questions, but go Google it first and then, then, you know, ask me a question to get you further. Mm-hmm. Always a good way. 
Now, when you're making these batches in in barrels or drums or buckets, whatever you're using, is it better to have them in the sun or do you want them in the shade? So if I'm making a big fat barrel of Jadon liquid fertilizer, I would like for it to be in the heat because heat helps microbiology. Heat just allows them to move faster, move quicker. It allows things to, it allows green material. It softens up faster. You know, maybe that's microbiology and water, but hot water will wrinkle a leaf a lot quicker than a cold, cold water will. So, you know, just naturally in the sun is a good spot to, to make Jadam liquid fertilizer, which is again, the, the fertilizer that I use. I don't use anything else. I have people send me stuff all the time. I can use it if I want to. It's not like I'm, um, the, you know, it's not like I could trying to be like, I am JL, I am Jadam only. No, I like organics, man. I like, I like knowing mm-hmm. what organic should be experimental. That's why I tell everybody all the time. I, you should be experimenting with your organics, like because it's your environment. You look around in the organic world, you look around your environment and you see what's on a tree. Are there nuts on a tree or are there just leaves? And that's a whole big difference. That's a whole new ballgame. If you got nuts falling, that's carbohydrates that are dropping. That is microbe food. You know, that meat inside that nut microbes going to chew that up quick. You'll see white mycelium grow on it or bacteria or colorful molds and yeast and stuff. That's that's called IMO, indigenous microorganisms. But my environment has its own microbiology. My backyard has its own indigenous microorganisms known as IMO in the organic world. It has its own microbes that are working right now, and they're, they're working real well. And so what I would like to do is grab some of those microbes, populate them more, right? Make, make more of them in, a, in an environment, and then when I need some, I'm going to use them again. Um, I can't remember. What, did, what was the question you asked me again? How, if, you, if, you're making J, if you're making JLF, do you keep it in the sun or the shade? That's right. Be- so. Microbiology likes heat. That's right. So yeah, it, put the put JLF in the heat. Now don't don't misunderstand. If you're a new organic person or just getting into it, that doesn't mean everything you make needs to go in the sun. There are some things that will explode a jar if you put it in sun. Like you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like because of micro building up pressure, it'll break the glass out. It'll build up so much pressure. So like you don't want to put like a like a fresh batch of EM1, labs and molasses, if you don't get the measurements right, the, the labs are very powerful. They'll start chomping on those microbes and they'll start farting out gases and they'll push that lid up and then the bottom will just explode out on you. <laughs> so you got to know what you're doing a little bit in organics. But in the Jadam world, in the Jadam world, everything, everything can be outside. It, it's the lazy genius method of growing. It is, and I remember hearing one of y'all on here talk about you. If it's lazy and you can, and it works, you do it. And I was like, exactly. That was another show I'd listened to. I was like, exactly. And it's not lazy. It's just being efficient and genius. And a lot of people in organics think that because you read it in a book and it had these steps listed out, you have to do those steps every time for it to be that thing. And it's not. It's not like that. Like, uh, give me. I'll give you an example. Um to make what's called IMO2, indigenous microorganisms level two. Basically is what that is. When you take cooked rice and you put it outside, eventually it will have what's called hyphae. And it's either gonna be a, a yeast or actual mycelium, which is fungus. It's gonna have colors grow on it, which are bacteria and molds. All of that stuff is called indigenous microorganisms. Those are the microorganisms in my backyard that will always show up on that rice. And so when I make when I take 
rice and I put it outside and those microbes get on the rice, I can take that rice, I can mix it with brown sugar and make those microbes go dormant. And what happens is fungal spores like to uh, sporulate. And in the easiest and the easiest way to explain it, it's like they make a, a baby. It's like it makes a little piece of itself that's ready to ignite and come alive when the conditions are right. It's a survival method. It's what it is. It's a survival thing. Bacteria creates endospores, and they're just like proto-bacteria. They're not real bacteria, but they can be if the conditions become right. And so whenever you put microbes in sugary environments and they become dormant, they actually start to sporulate out. They actually become more powerful. And they create these little things that will become new microbes when the conditions become right. Mm -hmm. When you take it out of that sugary environment and introduce it into water, right, it becomes the the water is so much that the sugar kind of dissolves in there. And the microbes are like, yeah, swimming in this water. And there's sorry, it's my son. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Oh, it's all right. I think you got to call him. Yeah, he got a phone. Yeah. Hey. There we go. Hey, buddy. <laughs> sorry, guys. It's all good, buddy. All good. <laughs> okay, so. Back to uh, what were we talking about? Remind me, please. You were, I smoke you were weed, man. It. My short-term <laughs> memory is obliterated. You were talking about oh, that, spores. And yep. Oh, that's right. IMO2. So, uh, yeah, so the so uh, making IMO2, um, when the, in those conditions, you're actually creating this powerful uh, goop of microbes. And it's, ba it's, I mean, guys, you can go to the store and buy this stuff, or you can actually collect it from your backyard. And the point about going to a store and buying microbes is you don't know if those microbes actually work well in your backyard. I'm sure they'll work, but do they work like the microbes that are in your backyard right now? Like if you look at my, if you look at my backyard, let's see, I don't know if you can see out there or not. The garden out there, I don't know if you can oh, see everything, yeah. but it's lush, man. It's garden, lush. It's garden, pretty, and I like it a lot. Eating. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those are the microbes mm. I want. I want to gather more of those that are that are kicking those plants up. And so that's the whole point of this organic thing is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to gather those microbes on cooked rice. You can gather it on anything, but cooked rice just is the KNF method. Okay. Gather it on the cooked rice, mix it in with sugar. And I've got what's called IMO2. And I can put a spoonful of that in a five gallon bucket and water it to my plants. And I just ignited that microbiology again. And that's the point of uh, using that IMO2. Wow. And again, I don't remember why we're talking about it. Dude, I, I love it. This is so great. So, they, I mean, I guess what it makes me think, uh, as you're talking, I feel, you know, you can see this possibility of being able to really dial in all these systems and get incredible organic flour. But the intimidating part is just, you know, remembering it all and going through the steps. That's why I was wondering about record keeping. Do you keep a notebook? And you're like, I got this much IMO, I got this much of this. Or do you just get a feel for it while you're going? Yeah, you feel it. You'll like um, you feel it, there's some see again, there's there's some things in your environment. I remember talking about that. Now. The environment is what matters. You want what's in your environment already. <clears throat> so. Uh, man, I'm going to start writing these questions down. <laughs> I swear I for constantly forget them, dude. Oh, you're good, buddy. What you smoking on? <laughs> lots of rosin lots hey. of rosin I, my own blueberry hey. rosin actually this is this is my bluetooth this it's my blueberry stuff that yeah. I, one of my blueberry things that i make but that's what i'm smoking on um ask me that question again please oh yeah like uh so i let me just say like if, if i got a, a bucket of this and a barrel of that and i got some imo going and i'm doing all this stuff uh 
basically just how do you how do you keep it straight do you keep notes or do you just train yourself to kind of keep that straight you're okay thank you your environment will tell you what you need because in the in the organic world there are like lots of things that you can do and you can keep yourself super busy if you're a high anxiety guy you can you can nerd out on organics all day long and you can really get into it you can go deep tracks with organics man things are out there that people have no idea about you know but um your environment will tell you what you need and at the beginning you might be like okay i'm going to try to make these basic things imo2 imo3s compost some jlf some jms those are those pillars those basic things that everybody kind of goes through when you're introduced into organics but what will happen is your environment will start to tell you you know i don't need that no we're good or look i am way low on this we need it you know what i'm saying i don't have anything specific to tell you but like um i don't have to use um i mean guys this is really what I could use. I make compost. I make what's called IMO3, which is well, woody bits of things and nuts and twigs, and they're all inoculated with with uh, that back with that sugary stuff I was talking about. But mm-hmm. I take compost, IMO3. I mix those together. That's what I grow in. I make JLF. That's my nutrients. I make JMS. That's my microbiology. That's all you have to have, guys. That is it, cool. and that's 100% free. You can you can grow big pretty terped out cannabis beautiful colored tomatoes massive sunflowers all of it's going to grow uh, just using these things and these are you know these are peer uh, peer tested scientific processes whereas i just do them as the methodology i don't get my stuff scoped i don't have the test mm-hmm. run i don't have soil test run it's just a method right i'm a methodology side of organics you can have the scientific side which a guy named brandon russ here in oklahoma super duper scientific great guy he knows what all the the nitrogens the and the phosphorus and the potassium he'll talk about how it moves through the plants i don't know all that stuff don't want to know i don't have any kind of inquiring mind for that what i have inquiring mind is how do i use my backyard to make bigger plants and to grow a lot of food and so i'm i'm in this method what can I do? What are these methods I can practice that will benefit my backyard? And my environment starts to tell me what I need. And and I don't need a lot of the fancy things that you can make in KNF. You don't make anything fancy in Jadam, man. It's really not a lot. There's a whole pesticide, uh, there's a whole pesticide book in Jadam. Like they make a they they have to because if you're the farmer, you gotta help your crops sometimes. And so you gotta make some natural pesticides. But they have a whole pesticide book. I don't even make any of that stuff because my plants don't need it. If my plants are healthy enough at the beginning, I don't have attacks like that. And I don't I don't have to spray all kinds of stuff because my plants are healthy the whole way through. But again, your environment starts to teach you. You don't really take notes. You just start trying things. You just start like you just start trying to ferment stuff. If you've ever made beer out there, guys, I'm sure a lot of you in those cold states, Michigan, bunch of beer drinkers made at least some of y'all have made your home brews. That is the same microbiology doing the same thing that we use in KNF or Jadam, you're using microbes to to produce stuff. And it's fun. Like when I'm, when I used to make beer, I wasn't an organic grower like I am right now. I thought beer was cool because I knew what the microbes are doing. But then when I got introduced in, into organics and started really getting into it, I was like, dude, I've been doing this with making beer the whole time, you know, buying <laughs> yeast and bacteria and stuff like that. 
I was just, I was shocked. And it was a cool connection of a past life with a current life. That's cool. So cool crossover. Yeah. So like, um, makes me think about like preservation. You were saying you keep everything outside. So it is all every, all the materials and stuff are all outside for the full season. You don't have to get like a little mini fridge to put solutions into or anything like that. No, no, just put it in a shade. If you, if you don't, if you don't want to cook it hot, stick it in the shade. It survives. Microbes have been here for billions of years, right? They, the hot day ain't going to hurt them at all. They'll survive. A lot of people, you know, that's the one thing with organics. It's kind of a new field. You know, there, if you get into what's called rhizophagy, the rhizophagy cycle, which is all about these bacteria that go into the roots and do things, man, you read a couple of Dr. James White's doctoral papers, you are at the forefront of knowledge on these things. Like, nobody else knows anymore. They got to run tests and experiments and write about it. Like, you, there's not a lot of body of work to go ahead and read through to get at the very edge of what we know about organics. You know, microbiology is still a brand new thing. So you, yeah. you have a whole generation since World War II that's been taught to throw nitrogen on your fields and all this stuff and, and not use microbes. And it's all coming back now because it has to because we've kind of we've kind of hurt our lands a bit and we got to understand, oh, yeah. microbiology is a whole lot better than throwing the throwing those chemicals on it. Um, you can keep everything outside. A lot of people in the organic world, a lot of the people I look up to and I read their books and I listen to them. The government works with them to set to set standards, you know, and, and so like um, Dr. Elaine, she is the forefront on composting. You know, she's been doing this forever, understanding microbiology for government rules on people who sell compost and things like that. Like they have to set rules and standards and regulations. They go and talk to people like like Elaine and for for the American people to be to be safe and not to have a pathogen outbreak or something crazy like that. Like they have to take harsh steps in organics to get it to the market. Like most of your compost is going to be thermophilic compost, which means it has zero, well, basically zero microbiology, but lots of nutrients because they had to cook the microbes out because they don't want pathogens going into somebody's home and killing them and getting sued. And so a lot of the things you read with organics is very harsh. And it's like, you don't have to do that, man. Mother nature takes over and she starts to do what she does, whether you did it right or not. You know, the thing about organics is a mess up isn't really a mess up. It's just a kind of, okay, I'm just got to wait for mother nature to fix that. And then I can use it still. But, you know, again, mother nature breaks things down to be reused in the plant world, in the growing world here, mother nature wants things to wants microbes to get on things so they can be reused. And, you don't really have a bunch of mess ups with organics. You get to always reuse it. It will always that the nutrient is in the green material, and that nutrient is going to go down into the into the ground again, and then it's going to grow up in green material, and then it's going to down the ground again. It's not a fancy process. It's real simple. Um, but the organic people that have to that that are that kind of help write the laws with organics. I actually own a bit. I own OK Cows Organics, right? And one of the things I sell is compost. I don't sell lots of it. I just make my own stuff. I make my own things and sell it locally. But there's certain things you can call it and can't call it according to the rules, right? I can't really call it compost. The soil conditioner works, you know. But if it's compost, then the FDA, the, the, the government wants it cooked at 160 for three days and turned certain times and all that. And I'm not, I don't do all that. So I can't call it compost, but it is compost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, okay, don't call it that, but that's what it is. And I mean, 
out there in the ground underneath the trees out there and those fields out there underneath the trees all of that that's compost it's breaking down organic matter being broken down by microbes to be reabsorbed by plants or whatever is whatever root is in the ground so i love the idea that you said of closing the loop uh, yes yeah so that like i mean it's just it's a particular kind of delight i get out of the idea that you could do that for little to no money and beat out you know a grow facility who's pouring salts into their plants uh as far as like quality of the flower yeah. goes, you know really cool yeah so, closing the loop is the is the goal go ahead ask a question please i've been talking too much no dude you're 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 doing great <laughs> so for you said you use jlf that's your that's your nutrient solution that you use do you use yeah. that through veg and bloom like you don't have to Correct. make something else wow there's no shift and i don't ph i don't ec i do nothing i take five gallons of tap water pour a quart maybe two if i'm feeling sassy and then <laughs> go put it on my plants and that's it as boring as can be but it totally works and they grow it grows big beautiful plants the one the point in organics is this um tomatoes have what tomatoes need corn has what corn needs beans have what bean needs cannabis has what cannabis needs what that means is this I can take my cannabis plants and if I chop them up, throw them in that JLF bucket in that water and let it sit there and break down and all that, right? Well, the very nutrients that made that cannabis plant so big and pretty are still in that plant when I chopped it up and put it in the water. So the very nutrients that made the plant big and pretty are now in the water. So cannabis has what cannabis needs. I just got to, I can use my defoliation. I can use the cannabis skeletons, whatever is left over. I can put all that in the water, let it sit there for a few months, get all broken down. It'll turn like a greenish brown color. It'll stink like a baby diaper because again, it's anaerobic microbes, microbes, the same microbes that are in your gut doing what they do to organic matter in your gut. And it comes out stinky. JLF smells like a baby diaper. It doesn't smell like you wiped your butt and smelled it. It smells like you wiped your, oh, somebody else's butt and smelled it. That's why I tell people to tell it's like, it's bad. It's bad, bad, as bad as you can think. Um, and J JLF is just like lawn clippings, leaves, anything green, you said, and water? It, it can be anything that still has nutrient in it. And if it's still green, it definitely has at least nitrogen in it, right? It's, it's got other things in it. But like your food scraps... All your fruits and pastas, rice and beans, tortillas, hamburger buns. I throw hamburger meat. Not, it's not like I just put a bunch of hamburger meat in there. But if we were eating hamburgers, I'm not going to take time to pull the meat out. It's, I'm just going to throw it all in there. It doesn't matter. Tacos. Might get some taco meat in there with the taco shells. But yeah. what we eat, like food that we eat that I get it from my garden, if I don't eat it all, it still has tons of nutrient in it. And so I'm going to put that in my JLF bucket and let the microbes pull the nutrient out into the sauce. And then I'm going to feed that right back into my plants. That's closing the loop. That's what, you know, you grew a tomato and then you ate the tomato and they didn't use all the tomato plants. So you use that. You didn't eat all the tomato plants. So you use part of that plant to make some nutrient or to make compost to grow in later. Right. And that's just closing the loop. You never throw anything away. That's why I say organics is never a mess up. It's always going to be recycled, whether you meant to or not, because there's a person called Mother Nature that's mm -hmm. going to take over and do what she does with organic matter. So, yeah, JLF is anything that has nutrient in it, man. Throw it in there. Microbes will pull the nutrient out and it'll become a fertilizer for you. And it doesn't matter like the amount of water you have. Say, say you have like a 55 gallon barrel. How would you feel like halfway with water and just like top it off with? with greens or what I tell people is pack as much greens in there as you possibly can. I mean, pack it full to where you can't put a stick in it anymore and that stick won't move down anymore. Then start to get the water in there. 
the water will start to fill up all the gaps. It'll kind of squish down a little bit more. But within a couple of days, that green organic matter is going to actually start to break down and get soft. And you'll actually be able to get a stick in there and stir it around. And you'll be able to fit probably half as much more in that in that barrel. Damn. You'll be surprised how much green material you can put in that barrel. But yeah, fill the barrel full of water. Take a five-gallon bucket if you want to. Just put some green material in it, get the water in there. You'll start to see little bubbles happening, things like that. And you'll start to see a biofilm on the top, which is what bacteria create to protect themselves. You know, those pretty bu- – anytime you see like a on a r- rotting water, you see that bubble that pops up? That's yeah. a biofilm that has captured gas, and it's just holding it there. That's what that is. Uh, but you'll see all those in the organic world what are very picturesque things. Bacterias, molds showing their colors, you know, yeasts and, and and mycelium growing their hyphae and consuming things, you know. So it, that's one of the cool things is seeing all of that microbiology and that action going on. It, it's part of the things that we look for. You know, that means, okay, we're working. Our microbiology is there. It's spitting out colors and stinks and smells, and, you know, we know it's all working. So it's always fun to take a picture of some nasty looking thing and post it on Instagram. Cause that's what we like to see, you know, mm, and we're like, yeah. yeah, mother nature, mother nature consuming again. Yeah. We're going to reuse it. So I can see how this would be hard for people in indoors. Like even if you were making it outside in your yard and you bring it into a tent, it's going to stink after a little bit. Right. So I grow my, again, I do this indoors. I did a whole series last year of, growing outdoors with just jlf and growing indoors with just jlf and i did both of mm. them and both they were just pretty i even bred i did breeding on on this on this little project oh, sure. i was breeding all kinds of cannabis but um yeah once you use jlf indoors your plant your your grow room is going to smell like a baby diaper for about 20 minutes until that dirt can absorb that liquid back into it once it's in the dirt you don't smell the jlf but if the jlf is in a drip tray or something like that indoors yeah it smells like poop sitting there right and you don't want to overwater with jlf because you get a big goopy stank in there you don't want to overwater anyway but if you if you know what you're doing and you water just enough to where that dirt can absorb and wick it back up then the smell goes away and it's not there Mm. anymore so it's it's definitely doable inside i did it yeah nice well so you said you were breeding so this kind of like this is a good segue too so um now that we've gone through all this knowledge that you have about about how to grow naturally you have genetics that you put out correct yeah so like tell us about about that like what's some of your top strains and what do you what's your goal when you're breeding well that's a it kind of depends on what the goal is. So well, there's yeah, lot, there's mean, lots of goals. True. We can <laughs> shoot for fun things. Like, and I have done that. Uh, shoot for a real fruity thing. Shoot for a big, big plant that gets huge outside, which you can't grow inside because it's going to consume your tent. But, you know, short, squatty plants, lots of fun things you can shoot for. But the one thing, the, the latest thing really is this fruity blueberry thing. Been doing it for about two and a half, three years now. And um, I, it really started off with what was called a blueberry squealer. That was my, the only about five people have those in Oklahoma. I didn't send one of those out. It's kind of a plan you create when you're breeding. But I created this one thing called blueberry squealer, which is um, blueberry muffin from Humboldt Seed Company crossed with blueberry train mac from uh, Brandon Russ here in Oklahoma. And across those two, uh, we ran about, 60 plants or so narrowed that down to 10 narrowed that down to three and i took those three blueberry squealers and i bred all kinds of stuff 
with those and into those and all that. So um, I did a blueberry squealer and a blue uh, from blueberry squealer came Bluetooth, which is blueberry squealer crossed to blueberry Mac muffin. Another. And so it's got three okay. blueberries in its lineage there. Right. And blueberry Mac, uh, blueberry Mac muffin runs from a guy, uh, SFV genetics on Instagram. And it's a beast. It's Mac one cross two blueberry muffin from Humboldt. And Ooh. it's super frosty, man. The ones that we chose are very frosty. All of this is on OK Couch Genetics, too. So you can see what I'm talking about. Word. We'll have it's that super frosty. Bread, so bread, blueberry squealer into blueberry Mac muffin. And that produced a um, Bluetooth. And actually bred a, a squealer pheno one, squealer pheno two, and squealer pheno three, right? I had three plants. I had three phenos of blueberry squealer going. And I bred each one with blueberry mac muffin. And I did what's called single branch, individual branch pollination. Right. With the cannabis plant, you can breed one branch uh, with pollen from one cannabis plant. And then the other branch, you can breed it with another pollen and get multiple crosses from one plant. And so... In the, it was an indoor run, and so I did individual branch pollination. And on each of my three phenos of blueberry squealer, I used like five different pollens from different different donors. Uh, I did a Romulan blueberry. Uh, I had got pollen from him from one of his. I grew out here with a male and got pollen from him, Romulan. So who I'm referring to on Instagram, Romulan blueberry used his stuff. SFV Genetics is blueberry mag muffin. I used it. I used DJ Shorts uh, blueberry. At F4, I think well, he's got a bunch of them. I think it was the F4 that I used. Um, and seems like there's another one. I can't remember. Anyway, so it was all around blueberry. And then I took all those crosses that came out, which are which was uh, 50 some crosses that I had of different crosses of all blueberry. Wow. And dude, that just created a monster. And I I kind of had to go with. You can only go with so many routes. You can't grow all that out. There's just no way right. that I'm able to do that. And that's right. that's for big commercial grow stuff. But what you can do in my world is give those seeds out to home growers and get them to pop them, you know, get oh, some yeah. testers. I want to call them testers. I call them friends. All my guys are local. I've got about five guys I work with now uh, that they, we run my genetics. And if they find something good, we'll mix it in. We'll breed it, to, we'll breed it, grow it out, see what happens. But that's what I'm doing right now. But back to the blueberry, um, I bred tons of blueberry stuff, and I got what's called Bluetooth. And I took Bluetooth, and I crossed it to Very Cherry from Humboldt also. And it's out in my garden right now. And it's one I'm excited about because it smells fruity and veg. You will When you defoliate it, I've got a blueberry muffin. There's In the Humboldt world, in the blueberry world with Humboldt Company, the Humboldt Sea Company, when you get the blueberry muffin, you're going to get what's you're going to get two phenos potentially. You're going to get what's called the purple pheno and what's called the green pheno. The purple pheno doesn't smell as fruity. The green pheno smells super blueberry. And I've got both of them growing out there in my garden right now. And when you defoliate that green pheno blueberry muffin, it smells like blueberries. But when you defoliate my Bluetooth cross the berry cherry, it smells like melons and strawberries and all this stuff. But here's the thing, man. I think that sucker's a male. I think he just I think it just started showing this week. Dude, it's bigger than I am. It's this tall right now. So I'm at a dilemma, man. I don't know if I'm gonna let a male go because my plan is to have a lot of fems this summer. And the guys that I'm working with, these homegrowers, we're doing all fems right now. And I was hoping to hit these big plants with some fem pollen man and get a ton of fem seeds. But this freaking Bluetooth to very cherry smells so good. It just <laughs> in veg. 
So it's going to be a tough one. I got decisions to make. Would you clone out that mail and hang on to it? I already have. Yeah, I already already got it cloned out. (laughs) I've already got it at a guy's house right now, growing out. I told him it's male, dude. I think it's a male. Because I came between thinking it was a female. I didn't know until just a couple days ago. But yeah, dude, we got the male at least. So I might be yanking this thing out of the ground. I don't know what I want to do. When you pollinate with a male, it dumps, right? It makes a, a cloud that'll make you cough, you know. But when you use reversed females, it doesn't put out as much pollen near like that. I, I usually have to go in and pull tweezers and pull out little things and shake out the pollen. You know, it's a whole new world. So it's tempting to let a male grow and just pollinate everybody in my backyard. I've done it before yeah. and you get thousands of seeds, dude, and you <laughs> just hand them out. It's so awesome. It's amazing. What, uh, so what do you, what are your thoughts on like, um, the difference between, Continue, continuing on with fem lines, like if people start reversing and mixing fem lines versus going with seed lines or just at least making seed as far as that being more stable. Uh, you know, I guess it's not, it wouldn't be more consistent, but it'd be more stable, right? As far as health and vigor goes. Like if you uh, bred a male and a female, is that what you're saying? Yeah. If you just regular pollen breeding, male and female regular seeds, don't you get a little bit more stability with the health of the plant as opposed to like yeah. consistency? Simply probably because you're screwing with the with what the plant does. You know, when you reverse a female, you're changing it, right? You're doing you're changing mm-hmm. what it actually does. And so I'm sure that it that can bring in some uh some variation, potential DNA stuff, you know, that could happen, I'm sure. So yeah, bre- but breeding with males and females the the good old fashioned way produces a lot of seeds. And mm-hmm. again, you're we were talking about closing the loop, like Mm. One plant, if you pollinate one freaking normal female plant with a male, you're going to get enough seeds to grow for the rest of your life, man, if you need seeds for yourself. But oh, yeah. what you'll end up doing is giving them away and trading and bartering and all that stuff. And I mean, I always tell people trade up. I'm like, listen, I'm going to send you a ton of stuff that I've done. And I want you to try to trade up with somebody, you know, get some other stuff that's really good that, you know, we know. So I always like to. I always like tell people trade up. Anytime I trade my stuff, I always feel like I'm trading up. Not that my stuff is bad, but it's like, it's still new. Cannabis is still yeah. new in Oklahoma, y'all. And I still have a passion for it and excitement that still hasn't left me. It might have left some people, but I'm still super pumped and excited to get to grow freaking medicine that has changed my life. And I haven't even gone to my past about depression, anxiety, and just living in toxicity and mm-hmm. being out of that now and freaking loving what I do and loving life and trying to get people to change if I can through cannabis. You know, speaking of people, depression, anxiety, and stuff like that, just helping them like cannabis might work for you man it might it might not but it worked for me so much it changed my life and i can actually live now so i'm i'm still excited dude y'all hear my passion i'm not i I am like this i fucking love this it changed my (laughs) life and everybody kiss my ass if you don't like how it is you know that's how i feel because it makes me excited i'm still pumped to get to grow weed legally it still feels like that to me and so growing, again, growing your own plants and crossing your own stuff, you can make your own seeds and close the loop. That's just one method uh, of doing it. That was a revelation I had. So I do like some amateur pollen chucking, basically. But I started doing that just because I realized like, oh, I can bake a whole stash. Like if, you know, if we hit that apocalypse or if the grid goes down and all that, I have my stash. I know that's going to last me a long time. And then I got you into a smart like, man, like selections and stuff from doing that, from messing with it. Now I'm like starting to think and read about it more, you know. Yeah, you know what people are, people are nervous about breeding, 
because they they think they're going to be called the pollen chunker or what all, all this stuff you know it's like right you, you'll see people post a lot of things online like there's lots of pollen chunkers out there and i know what they mean i get it but i want people to chunk pollen i want yeah. them to like, be for the very reason that you said what if Oklahoma goes back and changes laws and says, well, we can't have you can't have legal home grows. You can buy it at the dispensary, but you can't grow it yourself. That's that's going to be impossible for me. I will have so many seeds spread out. There's a river right behind my house. There'll be a billion seeds in that river going all over <laughs> Oklahoma if that happens. But right. see, that's the reason you should chunk pollen, not to be in a battle with somebody and be like, look at me. I, I got the next cookies and all this crap. I am not into that whatsoever. I breed for myself. I like blueberry and fruity stuff, and that's why I breed it. But I like what I have, so I give it out, share it, sell it, whatever it is. I believe in it. But uh, if if you can crawl, if you can breed, do it. Chunk mm-hmm. pollen. Mm-hmm. Talk about how awesome it is too. I don't care. Just get after it, man. Go go for it. I, I give you the freedom. I don't give you anything, but I encourage you in the freedom that you really do have within yourself to, to grow your own medicine and do what you want. Don't care what anybody else says about it. They just got to get over that. I don't I never talk about pollen chunker. I don't talk about any of that because I don't look at it that way. I look at it as preservation of medicine. Yeah. I look at it as what if the government tries to take it from us again? I'm going to overwhelm those suckers. We're going to get this distributed in Oklahoma. I don't care what happens. You know, we're going to black market with it so they can piss off. That's how I feel about it. Because before they Amen. kept it from us, right? They kept mm-hmm. it from us. Damn you know, right. Mm-hmm. They opened Pandora's box. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Dude, dude, I love it. I absolutely <laughs> right, love dude. it. Like that's, and uh, thanks for pointing that out. Because that's, that's how I've been feeling lately too. It's like starting to think about and look for traits that I want and think about preserving a strain. If it's coming off the market, you know, a breeder might stop releasing something that I like. Yeah. So I want to preserve that. So I'm going to dedicate a tent to yep. it, do a selection, find the right one. And uh, we do a lot of autos, the three of us too. So like we've been playing around with that. So I got a photo to autocross going, working on that. Like a lot of projects oh. came out of just, just throwing some pollen early on, you know, to get seeds. So you, so I'm going to switch it. I'm going to ask you now. So you're growing, you're Ruderalis, right? That was, that was your, is yeah. that Instagram or is it's that? It's on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. So you're, you, do you use Ruderalis to, to create the autos? I am not an auto guy. I'm a photo guy. I've grown autos before, but I have never done no. auto breeding. No, I can't claim to have ever done that. Like actually take a Ruderalis and try to find the THC content from there. I I have no way. Um, so I've, I've only, I have no idea. Uh, I, I guess like, how do you make it the original Ruderalis? Like they, they, uh, they got from, you know, like Northern Siberia, like way Northern latitudes. And, uh, it's like mostly CBD and other cannabinoids. Uh, and then I don't, I can't claim to know when it started, but I would guess like the seventies when people were talking about low riders and there were yeah. like auto flowering plants here and there. I think that's kind of when people started to cross those with photos and then seek that trait out. And now like fast forward, you know, 30, 40 years, what we have now is this companies like Night Owl and Mephisto that are putting out plants that rival photo period plants as far as their- That's what I hear. Yeah, it really is. I hear people talking about autos now that are awesome. But the the autos that I grew were not impressive, like probably most people will say. And I've never, I I haven't spent time on autos just because it's not my style here, but- I've heard lots of people talk about autos that are coming up now that are actually very impressive. They are. There's certain differences. That's cool. You're not going to get like a four pound auto outside, you know, like that. There's there's that distinction. 
but as far and as they're quality finicky, and production, so. they are finicky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's, yeah, but it's been a lot of fun, and I, I like the I, I think kind of what in that process of of people playing with autos, they're bringing a lot of the photogenetics into that and just making more and more diversity. And there's this Mandelbrot like exponential explosion of cultivars now because not only all these companies popping up and small breeders selling seeds, but people doing it at home. So I think it's yeah. kind of like like right now, and maybe since like COVID started, and a lot of more people started growing at home that uh that that has like just spread i think it exploded in the last couple of years and there's you know probably hundreds of thousands or way more than that of really cool cultivars that have all this potential you know so also like i've noticed lately it seems like a lot more people are talking about land races and trying to bring that trying to get like for lack of a better word get rid of cookies and try to bring in some old genetics again so yeah. I'm excited to see that, like with autos too, like just crossing land races and autos and going from there. You know, it's a fun. That's time. cool. So, so how, explain the process of creating an auto. All right. So the best of my understanding, it's uh, you cross the photo one one way or the other, male or you know mother to father, whichever is a photo or an auto. At that point, F1 is going to be a photo. So you flower that under twelve twelve. F2 may or may not have like 10 to 15% auto traits. So you got to go through a lot of F2s to find the auto trait. And then you find a male and a female breed from there. And then you got to usually go to F4 or F5 to get and select, get a stable auto. And by that time, really? by that time you can like nail in, you know, the dial in the flowering time and the overall lifetime of the plant. And then you would probably self it at like F6 or seven. You know, so it's oh, to, wow. to get it like stable, it's a long process, but getting it to that F4 is what really excites me to get like a, a pretty consistent cross and try to bring traits from the photo into that, you know, and just try to make better quality autoflowers. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a process. You're going to, I mean, I mean, I just started. If y'all don't, if y'all, y'all, listen, y'all don't know that. F4 and something and F6 and something just ain't what you do. I mean, most people maybe hit an F2 and then they're on to the next thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the photo world. Yeah, the auto world is uh, definitely a, its own animal, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and you yeah. can, like, yeah. so if you're making an auto strain just by itself, you're crossing autos and you're carrying that line forward, you can you can get it pretty consistent, but you can take that all the way to, like, you know, there's a lot of F9s, F8, 9, 10 in the auto world of the, some that people have worked for a while because there's that short time. So you can do three crops in a year and just kind of keep Oh, see, over, I'm know? not even thinking auto. Yeah. I'm thinking photo. Yeah. I'm thinking, dang, you're taking S6. I mean, you're talking seasons <laughs> of growing, but no, it's not like that. I guess a little short time. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that, that makes it better. It's still a process. I mean, you're still potting yeah, and repotting and all that mess. I mean, that's a lot of work still to get there, I'm sure. It is. It's for me. I, I'm kind of a nerdy guy, so it's been a lot of fun, you know, just learning oh, yeah. everything. So. I love talking to guys like you because you've been doing it for a while and you're doing it at scale and you're making strains that you've really dialed in, you know, so it's it's a, it's a lot of fun to talk about. Do you ever mess with any of the old, like uh, like an OG or a Haze or, you know, any anything like oh, uh, yeah. the Afghani or any stuff like that? Yeah, those, um, oh God, Mendo's, oh God, I'm going blank here. Um, well, I've got a strain where we bred a, what was it? OG Kush breath, Mendo breath. Some of those, some of that, some of those, you know what I'm saying? They're not, there's not, they're not a lot of the, 
Afghanis coming over or anything like that, but I don't search those out a whole lot. I have a bunch. I have a seed bank that is freaking humongous, but it's, it's just from barter, bartering and trading. People send me stuff. If you ever, they're like, Hey man, if you ever want to grow these, you know, go for it. I'd love you. Have you have it grow them. So yeah. Um, those, I like them all that OG Kush bread. I, I think there's some debate about how it's origins and things like that, but man, I love a good Kush. I, I like the fruities, but boy, you get a stinky and I've got a blueberry breath. I, I, what I told you I did with blueberry squealer, I'm, I've got I narrowed it down to three. I I did a, the same exact thing at the same exact time with a whole nother line, and it's called blueberry breath. And we hunted those down. Um, hey, hold on, my son is texting me. Just say it, okay? No, oh, you're good, bud. Blueberry, but bre- blueberry breath smell. Uh, I bet you that's delicious. That sounds sounds real good. Dude, mm. Okay, I got pictured. Buds this big. We grew we grew him uh, a place called Legends Cannabis Company about 15 minutes from me is a big uh, grow commercial grow here, and um, yeah. there a whole room was dedicated to just the blueberry stuff that I was that I was mm. creating, and it smelled amazing in there. Man, we had some hogs, <laughs> you know, big. They weren't they're not organic growers. They're salt. They had most commercial guys, you know. Well, we'll get it, get off that. But anyway, they grew they grew blueberry <laughs> breath, grew some hogs out there. They're massive and they smelled so good. And uh, blueberry breath is blueberry muffin from Humboldt Seed Company. That was one of my starters. That and DJ short stuff. But blueberry muffin, I crossed it with a with a plant that I've created a while back called TKLB, and it's heavy Kush. It's got it's the one I was talking about with the OG Kush breath, Mendo Mendo breath, uh, citrus farmers, all these things in it. That's a lot of good cushy stuff, and uh, cross those two together. And when blueberry breath grows, it smells like blueberries. But when it's cut and dried, the cush just explodes. And when you smoke it, then you get this heavy cush on that breathing. And then when you breathe out, tasting blueberries, and it is amazing. But I had three phenols of blueberry breath that I did also, and I did single branch, individual branch pollination with those and had just tons of crosses. That's why I had like 50, 50 crosses that came out of that. Wow. It was, there were six plants that I did that individual pollination of tons of different blueberries. Damn. And um, got, got them into commercial grows, man, here in Oklahoma. I mean, the, the flowers in, in dispensaries right now. But right now, my focus is washers. The things that I'm growing now, they're going to be heavy, heavy, sticky Lots of trichomes. Trichomes on the fan leaves, on the stalks. They're everywhere. They're washers, you know. Because nice. people, I I like hash anyway. I like rosin and all that stuff. So that's kind of why I'm I'm where I am. But these people, you know, they find out what I'm growing, and and they've seen that it's been grown before, or a couple guys have grown it out, and we pressed it and all that. You know, then like people get serious about your genetics. They're like, okay, you think I could pack my, you know long outside tent with it or my indoor rooms you know how many seeds can i get from you if i want to run that you know that's what opens up when you start breeding also if you breed good stuff and you're showing it on instagram people are like hey let's trade let's barter can i buy some of that from you you know it opens up another avenue of money for you guys and if you don't if you, you want multiple income streams man if you can make money doing stuff start making money doing stuff it's not like you're just being a commercial hog it's that you did it to begin with out of your passion more than likely and so why not just keep doing it and share your passion with people i mean i started growing cannabis and breeding and doing all my organic stuff just straight up out of passion for growing cannabis i had no intent of bartering or selling or starting an organics business and nothing it's just passion takes over 
And you know, I'm not a salesman either. I'm not, I'm never going to get somebody to buy a product because I try to convince them they'll see my passion. And the reason I sell is because I use it, right? Or I smoke my own stuff. I grow my own stuff. I'm not, I don't, I like to breed other people's stuff in, but I like to grow it. I like to detail it in and, and just see if it's something I like. So, you know, I, I, I smoke my own stuff, uh, make my own compost, make my own nutrients, and it creates your own flavor profile of your cannabis. You know, my stuff tastes like me, you know, it tastes like my grow. It's sweet right now. It's melony, it's honey and fruity and delicious. And, you know, it's just, it, it's all consuming. It's who I am. It's my environment. It's just what I'm doing right now. And I fucking love it. So. Man, it's yeah. awesome. Are the so what the seeds that you distribute, are they, uh, are they all from your organic grow? I mean, I bet you're an organic. Yes. So I would imagine because everything I've heard the yes. old say is that organically produced seed is way more stable, healthy, and it lasts longer. Yes. Dude, I'm awesome. telling you organic, organic, my organic seeds, when people will grow them, and again, this isn't this isn't a boastful thing at all. I could care less what you do with it. But when you when you probably when you put anybody's organic seed, something that's been grown well and taken care of and it's had lots of microbes involved, man, those seeds that pop for me and the seeds that people pop that are that are my genetics, they're always huge. They're always big families. They're always dark green. They're super healthy, you know. They just are good genetics. Yeah, I think that's or an organic. Awesome. That's of course I'm biased, but I think an organically grown product is always a superior product. You're back to what the plant wants to be in anyway. You know, it's organic, mother mm-hmm. nature, billions of years of evolution behind it. You know, things like that. Right on. Recently, I saw a video on your Instagram that uh, caught my eye. You had a bunch of watermelons on the ground around your cannabis yeah. plants yeah. and you're just taking a knife and just chopping them up. And yeah. then I think you covered them with like vermiculite yeah. or something. Yeah, one time I did. Yeah. Uh, the last time I covered them with what's called IMO three and Bokashi. Uh, Bokashi is something you can ferment and it helps break down organic matter. So it helps, it helps break down those watermelons, but what that's called is soil layering. And again, you're imitating nature, not that nature grows trees with watermelons in them, but the <laughs> idea of organic stuff being fall, put down on the ground and just put more stuff on top and just let it cook. That's the idea of organic. So with soil layering, you're kind of imitating nature. You're just putting a layer of organic material down. And I put more layers on top of that, you know, to help with bugs and pests and smells and for all a, a variety of reasons, I'll cover it up. But uh, I think I put like six benefits to that. Number one, it, those watermelons are putting in moisture into the ground. And in the organic world, microbes have to have moisture to operate. That's all there is to it. You, they don't live in – the ones I use don't live in dry environments. They need moisture. So the watermelons were offering moisture. The, uh, the other thing is this. Those watermelons, st- soft-meated stuff like that, cantaloupes, cucumbers, tomatoes, stuff like that, they get bacteria on them fast because of lots of water – they get bacteria will grow on them way faster than fungus does. But when you get bacteria and yeast and molds on organic matter, then you get what's called shredders. And that's worms or black soldier fly larvae or just different grubby centipedes, you know, stuff like that. They actually eat IMO. Like, let's take a worm, for instance. You see worms going all, all through the all through the yard or the soil. When I put those watermelons down and all that bacteria grows on those watermelons, it attracts worms. Worms wants to, worms want to eat IMO. They like bacteria and all that junk. That's what they eat. I mean, they might eat on a watermelon some, but they're actually eating microbiology. 
And those microbes have stored a ton of nutrients in themselves from eating that organic matter. And so like a worm, when it eats the microbes, that those microbes go into the worm's body and that worm will basically squeeze those microbes to death and it'll use up all the nutrient it needs to and then it poops out the rest, which is called vermicompost, which is super nutritious material that you can use in gardening. But that all comes from just cutting those watermelons up and putting them on the top layer. Grows microbiology, shredders come in, shredders start to eat it. They start to poop vermicompost all over the place. My plants like vermicompost, they grow bigger. That's a loop. It's a closed loop kind closed of thing loop. you try to yep. do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I saw some of those worms you had. They uh there's some wild looking worms you had there, man. <laughs> Impressive. Dude, those worms, I've got I've got a picture of a foot long worm. Now yeah, what like you get online, uh <laughs> They look like a snake. They scare me like a snake sometimes. Like I'll jump, like, ah, you know, he looks like a little snake. They're huge, but what they're called are Alabama jumpers. They're actually invasive. And a lot of people will talk about how they can tear up your crops and junk like that. But let me tell you something. Those babies poop out a ton of vermicompost, and I'll take all of those Alabama jumpers I can get. They're massive, man. They're humongous, and they consume. They just eat and eat and eat. You know, another thing is called a black soldier fly larva. Um, there's a little fly that'll fly around organic, breaking bro, anything breaking down that was organic, dead meat, vegetables, anything. Little flies, they look like a black wasp, but it's just a fly and it's called a black soldier fly. You need to look that up online. A black soldier fly, if you're listening, black soldier flies lay eggs and those eggs develop into larvae, which are called black soldier fly larvae. They are the most ferocious eaters in the world. They are what consume anything that dies on the ground. They, you know the maggots that you see and stuff like that? Their regular housefly maggots are little bitty. These larvae are humongous. They'll be an inch to, a half inch to inch long. They're huge. But those are also shredders that come up and, and eat on, on uh, you know, the microbiology grown on those watermelons. You know, worms poop out vermicompost. Black soldier flies... Whenever they are dried and shredded up, that's called frass. If you've ever bought frass in the organic world, mm-hmm. you look on that bag, it'll say the bot, the exoskeletons and manure of black soldier fly larva. That's what frass is. So I'm getting I'm getting free frass and free vermicompost by doing that that soil layering thing. That's the idea. That's awesome. Awesome. Unreal. Yeah, that, that is so cool to me. I do plan on one of these days I will tackle this. <laughs> No, he's got me wanting to try and make yeah. some JLF, man. Right. Do it. That's the easiest one, baby. Do it. Just get you a five-gallon bucket, fill it full, and let it set for a month. <laughs> now, do you let strain it? it? It'll be nutrient. No. You just dip a cup in Use without it getting it on your finger. If you get on your finger and you smell it, dude, it'll be over. It's over. I'm, a, I'm a nail biter, too, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, no, oh, God. Oh, later on, yeah. you're like, what's that flavor? <laughs> yep. Well, or like there. if I've been, or like if I'm getting it out, you know, it always uh-huh. gets on my hand and junk, and then I'll walk inside, and my wife is like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> the house when do you got to stir that stuff? Like daily? Well, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, maybe. Well, the thing is this: whenever you start to use JLF. Like there'll be so much material that you kind of have to push a hole in the middle. Like I use a stick and I'll, ha- I'll hammer the middle down to create, you know, a little hole and that liquid is there and I can dip a cup in that hole. And that's how you can get the liquid out nice. pretty easy. There's fancier methods, but I don't, I don't use it. I just use a cup, dip it in. <clears throat> and um, it stinks really bad. Now there's a whole new process of, yeah, you know, what happens when you, you know, 
if you're using a five gallon bucket to feed five plants, that five gallon bucket is going to empty pretty quick, you know? So you're constantly adding more material and more water and you just keep doing that. That's all you got to do. And you know, if you want, like I always tell people to stir their JLF before they use it. Like if you're going to, if you're going to get some fertilizer out to feed your plants, take that stick and give it a stir because this is just from experience. The, like, there are times when my plants will get lighter, like a light green, and you can tell it's nutrient deficient. There's no scars or anything. It's just the color gets lighter. And so when I would stir my JLF up and I'd get that bottom stuff all up in there and I'd start to feed it a good stirred up JLF, that color come right back. So, you know, it was very light and liquidy up here, but down low, everything had sunk and it was just gluggy on the bottom. So a good turn before you, before you actually, you know, mix it into your water. That was always a, that's a, a pro tip. Pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Let me ask you something. Have you ever got, have you ever looked into uh, electric culture? Yes. I'm not doing it right now, but I'm no. looking at it, dude. Yeah. It's, a new, gonna... it's a new little thing coming up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I'm just wondering. Copper. Yeah, dude. I'm just wondering. I'm seeing your backyard and I'm seeing all the, the, the power lines back there. I wonder if that would, that yeah. would help you in a way. <laughs> Dude, Maybe. I don't know. It's giving everybody cancer if it's making my plants bigger. I have no idea. Uh, but I can tell you when it rains, when it rains, you can hear the electricity sizzling up there. Oh, wow. You know, you can hear it just baking on those lines up there. But does your TV yeah, do anything weird? Does your does your TV do no, anything weird? Nothing at night? like that. Uh, uh, no, okay. nothing. You know, no doors open. Nothing or anything. like that yet. Okay. I still got three or two eyes and, you know, not growing anything <laughs> weird yet. But uh, yeah, yeah but seriously, I need that. Co- you need copper, right? You got to yeah, round it yeah. around like clockwise and you got to aim it north and all that. Are any some, of you guys doing, doing Some that? people. No, I'm not doing it yet, but I, I would like to in, in the future. But the, I, I see them. They wrap these poles and they'll shove the poles in the ground. Other oh. people will build like these intricate like antennas and then they'll point them directly into the ground. So and I think there's a there's a, a radius. So like every certain amount of feet, you need to have another rod in the ground to oh. continue continue. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I think if a you lot of copper. To, yeah, a lot of copper. A lot of copper. I, saw, yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be the thing. Yeah. yeah I had a guy send me a, a ebook all about that just this week. I haven't looked at it yet. Nice. It's nice. interesting. That's yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's just old world tech that. You know, it's old world tech that works. I guarantee is. it. That's all it is. Uh, and the thing is, it's just something that got lost, and then now it's starting to come yeah. back. So there's a guy in California. I heard I'd have to find this, but because I can't remember his name, who put two giant copper leads into the ground, like giant, you know, like eight, ten foot rods on either side of this field, and then grew clover in the field, and it got eight feet tall. Oh yeah! Holy Jesus! Holy. Yeah! <laughs> wow! Yeah, we've got fields of clover out here. Yeah, eight feet. Yeah, just that, <laughs> that that energy through there. But there's something to that for sure. Like uh, I've messed, I've dabbled with it, but not a ton. But just like grounding, I was grounding my indoor pots to the to the copper in the house uh, yeah. to try to like disperse. Because I figure if you think through it, like they're probably building up a lot of electrostatic from these LED lights that I got. So ground that out, and some interesting results. I mean, it wasn't crazy, but Brown University did a study about it where they showed that they got increased yield and production on jalapenos by grounding the pots 
they were grown inside. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. But yeah, there's definitely something to that in working with energy in the right way, you know. 100%. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. And again, all you're doing is you're harnessing Mother Nature to yeah. to do what she does, right? I mean, it's that, that that electromagnetism that just it covers our entire globe. And who knows what else it does, but it feeds things, vibrations, and all that good stuff, man. When you get down to the particle, this is high talk, but when you get down to the quantum physics, when things get weird, right? When things vibrate weird, and, and I'm a musician also. You know, you get into cool. what's called a 440 tuning, which isn't actually a true tuning, right? It's not actually true tuning, true tuning, but it's what most musicians use. When you use a true tuning, which I think is like a 430, 432, is it's a different feel and a different sound. So definitely, I would love to get into that, man. I would love to. The thing is this. It's going to be the experience that tells you if it works or not. Like a garden like mine that I've done before, I know what it produces. I know what it looks like when it's at its best. You know, if I had exactly. something that actually can actually kick that in more, that's from experience, right? And you're like, yes, it works. And that's what those guys are saying, man. Old school, old world farming is experience farming. There was no science mm -hmm. to it. It was just, like I said, my style, methodologies, do, just doing things that you know work because results prove it. You can look at it, right? And it happens every year when you do these methods. I don't, yeah. Like when you said with the origins of Jadam, I mean, when you're, if you're growing for food, you're not fucking around. You got to like make the food and you got to make as much as you can. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah, like those old methods are what really works. Yeah. Yeah. I've read, a, I've read a lot of, a lot of books. Last one, one's coming to mind with this discussion is it's called, um, oh, 400 years of farming. I think it's what it's called. And um, it's it's an old book. It was written before the World Wars. And uh, he taught this guy, went, this American, went over into like um, China, Japan, and Korea, and those lands out there. And he started documenting how they grew their food and what they did with their fields and their agriculture, what it was. And what was so cool, one thing, the, the one thing that sticks out of my mind is this. There would be a week in a year that everybody would put out their compost, their urine buckets, their, their poop buckets, anything that had nutritional value to it to a farmer. And they would be saving these things up the whole year. That's the point. Families and communities, each individual house would save all of their bio waste. And when this one week of the year came up, they would set it out in the streets and farmers would just constantly come into town, grab that stuff, take it out to the field, use it, go out, come, go back into town, take it out of their fields and use it. And the farmers expected this stuff to be there because those people expected them to grow food. So it's just a complete closed loop system that the community would save their resources of fertilizer, like your own poop and urine and your food waste. And maybe you had your own garden that you had some, you know, green manure and stuff. You give that to the farmers every year. And that, you know, that was how they farmed. It was just so cool to read these it's things. Really like cool. we're so far from that or so yeah. far from that. I don't know if we could ever even be there without the whole structure falling apart and having to rebuild itself, you know, yeah. but that's, those are old world methods. I think what you're doing is one way, at least like, you, you know, reach whoever you can as far as learning these kind of methods. And so the more people that know, the better off we'll be. But yeah, a lot of people are going to fall behind if we can't, if we don't have a grocery store or, you know, convenience marts, people are going to fall oh my gosh. I, I know. Yeah. That's exactly why I got to learn how to make nutrients when you can't buy it anymore. It's exactly why we all need to learn how to do this. At least, at least know how to do it. 
That's right. They passed good. the laws of phosphorus where we can't have phosphorus, you know, anymore. They're, they're, yeah. they're, you can look at fertilizer bags that have no phosphorus anymore, zero in the middle. You know, you yeah. have to learn how to create your own phosphorus and stuff like that. They'll take, you know, and what's going on in how, uh, uh, oh, Denmark specifically, I can't remember the name, the, 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 the country over there, but all the farmers are, got their wagons and the protests and all that stuff. They're taking fertilizer away from them. They can't grow yeah. their crops anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a real legit deal. And what's coming our way it is food shortages. It's coming our way. Oh, yeah. We're already so, seeing it. Yeah, we're, seeing we're it. already seeing it, guys. You're exactly right. And I don't be alarmist or, or anything. It's just a fact. Like, yeah. there are people, yeah. bad people trying to control what's going on right now. Oh, and yeah. one way to fight this back is be able to grow your own food. Raise your own stuff. At least portions of your own food. Be able to grow enough to supplement a summer, right? To supplement a summer grocery bill. Go out to your garden and get your vegetables instead of going to Walmart. You might have to go to Walmart and buy the things, but learn to supplement at least. It's not the, the organics isn't like, okay, now I raise all my food. That's not it. It's just learning how to grow plants. That's what it is. That's learning it. how to use Mother Nature to grow things. And then you use that knowledge to grow your food or you grow your medicine or to grow a, a walnut orchard or a peach orchard, whatever the case may be. You just this knowledge, though, is very va valuable. And I think it's going to be necessary real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not, and not too people, much longer. <laughs> well, and like you, you referred already, to already. You referred to medicine a lot. That's something that we talk about a ton and uh, yes. RSO or FSO or whatever you want to call it, the cannabis oil, you know, and uh, yeah. like the effects that it can have. Um, and that's a that's a huge part of things like trying to raise people's awareness about that mm -hmm. and about the fact that you can make it and that you can treat not just cancer, but a whole bunch of things, um, you know, but I think that uh, to your point, people are already kind of doing that, you know, uh, like removing themselves from the system and saying, I'm just going to handle it. Uh, like at least in Michigan, I know in the caregiver community, there's a lot of cases that have been just resolved on their own with cannabis oil, you know, and people yep. don't talk about it that much because if you tell the doctor about it, they won't write it down. No, they won't, you know? And yeah, it's a sad state right nah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no big Canada to pay that doctor to write cannabis on that, you know, yeah, yeah. either. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And this is, it's so easy to bypass cannabis. That's why knowledge has to come out. You know, people like me, I have five kids, own a couple businesses. I've got, I've got my doctorate. I, I do life correctly and I use cannabis. It's like that Olympic runner, that black girl that got held out of the Olympics because she tested positive for cannabis. Guess what, guys? Olympic athletes can use cannabis. That's all that, that all that proved. Is that right there? The yeah, government yep. kicked her out, but it proves that Olympic athletes use cannabis because it's beneficial to your body. It's not a detriment. This is stuff our bodies grew up. I mean, we have an endocrine system that goes right along with cannabinoids. It's just ridiculous. Again, the passion comes out. I got to calm down a little bit. But <laughs> you're, you're knowledge, we love it, man. Let it out. Knowledge of people like us who have lives. That man right there with that new baby. You know, it's <laughs> this is the stigma of cannabis needs to be removed, and it comes through people like us talking about it. Especially a guy like me who it changed my life. I was on a direction. I was ready to die. I was. I had my finances in order for me to to die. I was going clinical depression, which means you're planning to die as in pretty soon you're going to say, I need to die. Right. That, that's where I was. I was bad off. I was toxic. I cold turkeyed everything, alcohol, pills, everything that I was on or they had me on on August 26, 2016. Started using cannabis and earth medicines only. 
changed my life. I am able to think clearly now. I'm a good husband. I'm a great community member. I'm a business owner who works with kids and loves kids and tries to give them a North Star so that they can freaking live. But there are morals and boundaries that if you'll put boundaries up for yourself, you'll live better. Breaking all boundaries down, say do and be whatever you want. Uh, you know, this is stupid. Let, let me give you an example of this. Here, let's all three play a game, all right? Y'all want to play a game? Let's do it. Now, ready? Go. There's no rules, right? We can't do anything. There's no boundaries. Yeah. There's no guidelines. There's no nothing. So we can't move forward. It's just random acts. And yeah. it means nothing to anybody. So when you have structure, when you have plans and details and life, and you, you put up goals, man, you can live. And I could not do that with a mind full of anxiety and a life of depression. Mm. But cannabis has allowed me to think clearly and to set goals and to live and thrive and all that stuff, man. Dude, so amen. this knowledge of growing cannabis is important. Hundred percent. And I'll second. I've talked about this on the show before, so it, it's whatever. But uh, I'm sober three years, four pushing four years, and that's all. That's all nice. because of cannabis. And I did the AA thing, Congratulations. For, but I I can't talk to folks in the group about it. You know, like yeah. so I I ended up not going, and that's no shade or anything like that. That's just how it works no, for people. And it and I'm able to continue my life forward. But yeah, there's such a strong, especially in the recovery community there's a strong stigma around it because it's just one of those. And yeah. so, but everybody's a snowflake, right? So some people can't handle it and that's fine. And you should determine that for yourself, what you can handle. But I have a similar experience, maybe not as intense, but in the fact that like, that's what helped me. And that's what helps me work and stay clear headed. And yeah, it's a medicine for, for the, for every day, basically, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Well, first yeah. of all, congratulations to you. Cause that's hard work. Thanks. That's not people. People think getting clean, sober or or even making a mental life change. People can live in mental toxicity and not drink as much, do drug or anything. It's just co coming out of the mentality of that is the hardest part. Like addictions and withdrawals are very difficult, but they go away eventually. The mental game, it'll it'll rape you still if you don't deal, if you don't understand how your mm -hmm. brain is treating you. And because it took you years to get to that process, it's not like it just you snap out of it. it's going to take work. To climb back out of that hole that you have dug and filled with other crap, you know, you got to work your way out of that. And it takes time. And that that actually becomes the hardest process. If you ask me, withdrawals and kicking yeah. and all that opiate withdrawal. And you're like, yeah. oh, well, you look like a weirdo and going through all that stuff. That was rough. But it took yeah. me almost a year and a half, maybe two years to get to a mental state of being where I could rest. And not have five yeah. voices going on at the same time and, and worrying and struggling and just being like, oh, I'm tired of this. So, you know, alcohol would take it away. Pills would take it away. You got to work through that. That's tough work. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Dude, I recognize I, the hard work of this. I love what you're saying. I think that's what a lot of the cases are when people say cannabis, certain cannabis strains make them freak out or you have like, you know, a bad experience or you like two in your head and you get sucked into that like dark space in your head. Yep. I think that's what it does on purpose. That's our relationship. That, so you can bring yes. it out and deal with it, you know. And then when you get past that and you have that same cultivar, it's a totally different experience because you don't have the noise, all the extra shit. Cause you took mm. but like you said, you gotta suffer for some time, quote unquote, suffer to get through that process of like dealing with the thing. Right. That's what I think the flower does is bring that out, you know. Dude, you are one hundred percent correct. I agree yeah. with you one hundred percent. Here's the deal. When I first on August 26, 2016, when I cold turkey and everything on it, it was a Friday night, uh, and started using cannabis. 
for the first three weeks, I was a anxiety ridden mess. I was having anxiety attacks on it. It wasn't like it was back in college, you know, when it was fun and just get high and play guitar and laugh. I was struggling mentally. And again, you, what you said, it was pointing out to me, you got dark spots in your mind, man. You got skeletons in your closet. You've got relationships that need to be rebuilt. It, those things are way more important right now. And you've got to think on those things. You got to think of healing yourself mentally so that you can enjoy this medicine more. That, even with mushrooms and stuff like that. Man, they mm -hmm. teach you to be kind. They teach you to be gentle. They sh they expose yourself to you, right? They they expose your weaknesses. They expose like like especially with kids, man. If I there's often where it, you just when you can sit and get away from kids for a while, you replay it all in your head, and you're like, I was too loud with him. I gotta calm down. That's not what this life is about right that's not what earth is about and it sounds hippie and all but it's true it's about harmony it's about working together it's about finding a path forward so that things will be fruitful and multiply and you don't you, those are that's high talk right <laughs> that's earth medicine talk it's wanting to have harmony it's wanting to enjoy things right it's wanting to have some peace uh mm. it's wanting everybody to work together as a team it's just a better way to live and that, Amen. it's what Amen. points it yeah. out. Earth yeah, Medicine's man. point is it out to us. It is a That's funny a good way to put on, it. Yeah. You get on pills, you get addicted. And when you come off and you're and the addiction starts to show itself and it rears its ugly head, you're a monster. You're a beast. The addiction is what people see. They can't even see you anymore, and you can't even be in you, you anymore. Because if you've never struggled with an addiction, dude, it's rough. People don't want to be addicted. They want to have mental peace, but they have got themselves addicted, searching for some peace. And I see people with addiction or if they're alcoholics and stuff like that, man, God, I look at them totally different. You look at them with sympathy. You look at them with empathy, with compassion, and you'd like, God, you're a sloppy freaking drunk and you're so damn ignoring right now. But it's because you have zero mental peace. You are mentally sick. That's why you're drinking so much. And if we can work on your brain, man, if we can work on some of this perspective that you have, we might be able to get you out of this addiction and off of that crap. It's just, it's just people don't want to be drunks. People don't want to be alcoholics. Yeah. People don't want to wake up sick every morning. They don't want that. That right? They don't want that. And if you can teach them. It's because you haven't dealt with this. It's why you're going through all that crap. You, if we can deal with your mind, man, we can get you out of that. Or we can at least get you to a better state than what you are right now. And, and you know, for freaking however long, people didn't have cannabis even legally. So they had cheap alcohol on every corner of their town. They had a doctor who was getting paid to write them a prescription of a cheap addictive yep. pill that would take their pain away shortly in the short term, but it would create all kinds of long-term problems that lead to addiction and lead to repetition of taking that freaking medicine. Oh my gosh, man, that's yeah. a, such an awful life. And a, it's a terrible loop. You know, in the organic world, you're trying to close loops. In the mental health world, you're trying to break loops because what get, happens to people is they get in their head and they constantly start to think about that one thing that that embarrassed them. Or maybe they did something and people laughed at them and they replay it. They loop it. They loop it. They loop it. Or they or they messed up and they get mad with themselves and like, damn it, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. And you'll talk to yourself like that. And it's so detrimental to you as a human being. 
to be the person who doesn't believe in yourself. If anybody's going to believe in you, it's got to be you, guys, because sometimes it will be only you, and you have got to believe in yourself, man, to, to move forward. And for you to beat yourself up and to talk poorly to yourself is subconsciously life-destroying, which leads to conscious and physical life-destroying. That subconscious crap that you play in your background, like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I did that. Beating yourself up, looping, playing that over in your mind is toxic, you all. That's what will get you all into depression and addiction. You must break mental loops in, 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 the, in this mental health game. Well, I'm talking too much, y'all. Too damn passionate no, about this. Dude, no. You're passionate as fuck, man. No. I'll give you that. Yeah, like, no, you, sound like straight up, you sound like a straight up motivational speaker well, right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I hope somebody finds, yeah, exactly. If one person finds motivation from all that, I mean, that was, yeah, that was Hell, solid, man. I, I found solid. motivation from that. <laughs> I did too. That's what I'm saying. Like that that was great. Yeah, thank you for getting this, that out. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I guarantee this resonates with a ton of people, man, for sure. Exactly. But let's yeah. talk, like you were inspiring me a little bit to think about like uh, our our cultivars and the and the and the strains and the types that we work on. So obviously you've dealt with this. So what have you found? Like what cultivar have you found that quiets that quiets that inner noise down a little bit, or it lets you find that space? You know what I mean? Yeah. The uh, you know, here's how I. Here's how I think cannabis works with me. Cool. The indica sativa thing, I don't I don't feel like I have that. What cannabis does for me is what I need it to do for me. If I need it to make me tired, it makes me tired. If I need it to make me hungry, it makes me hungry. If I need it to make me energetic, it makes me energetic. You know, it it works with me and what my need is. And that's the thing with cannabis. There's such a spectrum of healing. People are like, man, everybody says, oh, but it it makes you go to sleep or it makes you energetic. You're right. It, it can only, people think medicine does one thing because that's what most pharmaceutical medicines are made to do. Just kind of put a bandaid on one thing. Cannabis heals a spectrum of things. Guys, when I started talking, when I started using cannabis, I weighed about 220 pounds. I lost about 40 pounds. When I started just using cannabis, my blood pressure went down. It's never gone back up, totally regulated. The pain that I was feeling, which was legit real pain caused from inflammation through anxiety and depression, that was taken away. I mean, guys, I was on painkillers. I was like, my, I was a gymnast in high school and college, and I thought, you know, my body's just breaking down. I'm in pain, and it's awful. Guys, I don't take any painkillers but cannabis right now. I, the pain was from anxiety. The pain was from mental, mental illness is what the pain came from. But it was real pain, no question about it. But cannabis healed that. Cannabis, again, works with your endocrine system. And what cannabis does is it balances you. It brings heights down and lowers up. And it makes you balance out is what it does. And so cannabis, in that sense, it just it just helps me the way I need it. So if I'm smoking flour or rosin, it's just like, okay, why am I smoking cannabis right now? Well, I'm about to go work in the yard. All right, I want energy. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. how it works. So yeah. I'm about to go yeah, to right. bed. Right, I'm going to go sleep. I want to hit the cannabis. I want to go to sleep. You know, it's, I tell it what I want it to do, and it does it. You know, it's, Thank you. I, absolutely. You know, it's, it makes me think. Have you ever heard of Cast Carlos Castaneda? He was an author. No. Wrote some books, like, I think in the 80s. But uh he, he wrote this series of books where he interacted with a shaman and uh, a Toltec shaman. And there's, it's called like the teachings of Don Juan Matus. And there's a series of these books, mm. but in there, Don Juan, the, the shaman talks about power plants. Cannabis is one of them and peyote, you know, and all the power plants. 
and uh, he's trying to get Carlos to use them uh, in certain ways and do this and that. And he's like, why do you always give me power plants? Like, cause you're too stupid. He's like, <laughs> that's why you need to like, just reset and clear it up, you know, but that's one of the premises for that. And uh, I, that resonates with me a lot. Like, I think all these plants, like we have an energetic relationship with them on some level. So some do some things, some do other things. Some are the wrong for the certain situation. You know, there's appropriateness and inappropriateness with all the different variables. But we can get all that like from the natural kingdom for sure. And like the psychological stuff too. Now I'm rambling a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you know, that story reminds me of that. That reminds me of um, and I wrote that down. What was that again? Don, teachings of yeah, Don Juan Carl, Yeah, Castaneda. Yeah. It's some they're fun okay. books. Yeah. What what that reminds me of a I went to um, Tahlequah, which is the capital of the Cherokee people, Cherokee Indians. Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Went there for the Cherokee Capital, Cherokee National Holiday is what it was. And when I went, there was a speaker. <clears throat> she was a Native American and she was a botanist from from Michigan, I think it was, from University of Michigan, if I remember correctly. And she had done all kinds of cool studies. And one of them was she had taken a she had taken uh, food grown on native lands, native soils, organically, basically, and and uh, measured the number of nutrients, a commonality of nutrients is what it was in organically grown foods from the Cherokees. And then she took foods from local grocery stores and did a commonality of nutrients, you know, meaning these nutrients were all found. Basically, there are other nutrients found, but they weren't common to everything. And the uh, the grocery store had a commonality of thirty. The uh, other the other side had a commonality of eighty, and just tons of nutrients in organically grown food. Then she tells a story, and I left crying after this story. I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna tell you the whole thing, but I'll tell you how to find it. It's called the Cherokee Origins of Medicine and Disease. The Cherokee Origins of Medicine and Disease. Cool. And it's so dang good, man here's a short version of it. Man lives on the earth and he's living in harmony with animals with plants and everything. But as man starts to kill animals for food and clothing and shelter and all that stuff, he gets lazy and he gets unthankful. He starts using it just for the hide. He doesn't use the meat or the bones and things like that, you know, and, and he doesn't say thank you to the animal spirit whenever he kills the animal either. And he just sheds blood on the ground and then takes what he wants and leaves a big hot mess and goes on. And so what happens is the animals start to realize what man's doing to him. And they have a meeting of the animal kingdom and the bears are the are the leaders of the animal kingdom. And the bears uh, say, listen, they keep spilling our blood and they're not being thankful. So what we're going to do is create diseases. And so animals create diseases. And whenever mankind, they say the animals say whenever mankind comes to kill us, if they don't say thank you for the blood, if they don't use every part of our bodies, if they don't do it in gratitude and return what they can to the earth, then we will follow them to their homes and we will we'll strike them with an illness. And mankind eventually becomes so ill-ridden and so unhealthy that the plants start to notice that they can't take care of their gardens or their plants anymore. And so the plants have to come together. Again, this is a short story, y'all. The plants have to come together and say, how can we heal mankind? And a long story short, mankind starts to understand that they have to be they have to be thankful and take only what they need from the animals but also that every single plant has a medicine for them they just have to go and ask the plant 
Dude, I left crying, but she That's explained awesome. it way better and gave passion behind it and purpose and reason and a oh, flow to the story, you know, like a good storyteller. It meant a lot because it's true. <clears throat> you know, we do have to learn how to live better. We just learn, learn how to be thankful, learn how to be thankful for the food you eat. That's one thing, man. When you control what you eat, you can control so much in your in your body. If you're not gluttonous, when you're not just consuming you're able to think more clear. It's not bad to eat some good food. Don't get me wrong, but it is mind. It's mind clouding. Like, be be thankful for what you eat. Take what you need and leave the rest. It's a better lifestyle. You'll be happier and you'll be mentally happier, guys. And that is the ultimate goal. Peace in your mind because you're a good person. You're doing what's right. When you feel helpless, you started helping other people, and it changed your life, man. And that that's the mentality that. That just is that we need. Same, right? 100%. I, I second witness what you're saying. A, a buddy of mine, um, of course, anonymous, just uh, was having some issues uh, with his stomach. And so we were talking about stuff and it was like, you know, quit certain things like quit eating white bread. Just take a minute, you know, like go for something a little healthier. He had some sauerkraut or some kimchi. So he started doing some of those things and he started feeling a little better. And then he noticed what you're yeah. saying. He was like, I woke up the other day and it was like clear in the head, you know, and that's really cool. Yes. moment. Yeah. But that's Very cool. synergy with the body. Like you're saying, I think like everything comes together. I had that same experience with uh, RSO when I started taking it, I lost like 40 pounds and everything like tightened up and all my joints got looser and yeah, everything balanced out. It was wild. Awesome. I try to tell people yeah. about that, you know, and I see it yeah. in other people too. Like, and I'm the yep. same exact way with, with, uh, I mean, cannabis. I mean, I was 248 pounds and now wow. I'm like 150. Now I need to wow. gain weight. I need to gain weight now. So. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, truthfully, it had a lot to do with it. I do believe. Um, I, I think it helped me replace just eating. Um, but truthfully, it was, I stopped eating out. That that had a lot to do with it. It's huge. Totally. Uh, just getting off process but, stuff is huge, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, because it all started around the same time, so I'd say, yeah, yeah. I'd say I lost a lot of it. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd say it was just like a, a hot, like a, it, it became dropping the beer and and taking on the cannabis to replace that. It just, it bound, I think it did its own thing, just kind of worked itself yeah. out. Because um, obviously that's, you know, liquid bread as it is. Yep. <laughs> beer, yeah, that yeah. beer man beer and alcohol will put the weight on you for sure yeah <laughs> but anyway nonetheless i do i do attribute it to being a helpful thing as far as weight loss go i, I do think it does it can for, work for you because it's, it's a mental thing all of it's mental right. so right. you know cannabis just helps zero in on the things if you want it to you know and yep. it helps it does it, you know it's like it's that like uh you were saying how it balances everything out it's like um I, I think it used to be like an essential or is an essential human nutrient, you know, like mm -hmm. before we used to ingest it all the time uh, in one way yes. or another. And uh, every person in the population was, it was everywhere in the country, right? Till they got rid of it in the thirties, there was indigenous yeah. hemp everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, I think that's a big part of why it does that. It flushes out everything else. It brings you into balance and it kind of brings you to the body type and the level of health that is ideal. You know, they're going to start eating a little yeah. more, gain the weight, or if you need that's to right. lose, it, it'll lose it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, exactly. it's just kind of like a fix all for whatever, you know what I mean? It just, it holds it. It is. It figures it out. It goes in the cracks. 
And then yeah. <laughs> it makes this me exactly right. Is that it makes me think of too, like the, uh, so, uh, earlier you had mentioned something in relation to like, Oh, it's selling seeds and like ego with that, you know, like, look at my cool shit, you know? And I think it is interesting how the, the cannabis plant. And so I heard this on another podcast. I think it was on, uh, the podcast where this was brought up one of their older episodes, uh, that, uh, isn't it interesting that this plant that's so, uh, inspires like love and community and everything else also inspires like the most amount of ego across the whole planet. You have like mm-hmm. all the brands, all the hype, everything like that is all around this plant. So it's almost like a yin and a yang. There's two sides of it. There's people that are healing from it. And then there's other people who are involved in it. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying like, they're just embracing the ego and it's almost like it fuels it. So it's almost yeah. like, like it'll yeah, give yeah, you yeah. what you want is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, so if you want to hype your ego, it'll do that too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. That's a good yeah. point. You know, that's a good point. Like, um, <clears throat> man, that's a really good point. I feel like I could go deep on that. Golly. Yeah. It's just a magical yeah, like, thing. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Like it could be like, it's the ring. Like it's the ring. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. It's like has this yeah. power, but it's got a darkness to it too. You know, if, if you let it, it like, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty cool way to put it. Cause you know, the only perspective that I look at it is it gave, it gave positive powers to me. And I don't mean yeah. superhuman powers, just positive power. Oh, yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was beneficial what it yeah. gave to me and what it does. But I can see, you know, and I, I can see it doing that to a person who hasn't had a life struggle, who hasn't had gone through some junk, you know, yeah. it, that you start to have some kids and a family responsibilities and you might have a financial issue or a tragedy, even something like that. People that have been through that can, cannabis helps, I think, and it heals and it, it keep there's it puts a roof on your ego is what it does. It doesn't let you go any higher than what you need to be. But if you haven't, if you haven't lived a lot of life, if you haven't had some years on you, cannabis is so easy to be a party thing because it makes you feel good, man. It's a good thing. Yeah. Your body likes it. It is a fun thing. It's not like alcohol where you get all pissy and ignorant. It just makes you silly and jokey and fun. It's a fun thing. But that's the side that you also wear your cookies hat and you wear your big marijuana leaf and all this stuff. And you're like, I'm smoking out the bongs and 10 yeah. gram hits, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. I mean, we could all do that too. I get the fun of that. But there, but there's a mellowness to cannabis too that hits a lot of the, a lot of the old school or it's just some people who've gone through life, mellows mm-hmm. you out a little bit. You enjoy it. It's not a party thing. It's a, it's a daily thing. It's like a part of me. It's who I am. It's a yeah. piece of me. It's when I wake up in the morning. I feel like, like you said, I needed to fill those cracks. I needed to fill the gaps in my body yeah. right now, or whatever there's missing. And it does. It fills it, mm-hmm. and it makes me peaceful. And at one, and I, and I move on. Yeah, people like cannabis is addictive, and I'm like, yeah, like air and water. It's part of me. It, you don't understand the idea of addiction. Yeah. I do. I get addiction. Yeah. That cannabis ain't addictive. I can go. I had to go with cannabis for a whole day. That sounds stupid, but I had zero <laughs> dabs, zero flour. Driving from Florida to Oklahoma, we went to on vacation just a couple. Of weeks ago and we took all our kids in our van and uh my brother-in-law kept my freaking puffco and so i had nothing to hit all i had was dabs i had nothing and i went the whole day without cannabis and i was just fine you know what i'm saying if i did that with an opiate that i was addicted to yeah i'd have kicked a hole in that car you know what i'm saying (laughs) it just would not be the same yeah totally man Uh -uh. understood that's so funny yeah yeah it's just <laughs> it, it just yeah it, it's the best i'll tell you uh, what and, i mean and it's 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 worth all the time we put into it man it really is it is oh, yeah. it's all of it. 
Well, and we're like, so all the stuff that we're talking about, just like small community stuff, growing, breeding for medicine, trying to get seeds out to people, not trying to charge 50 bucks a seed, you know, all that. It's almost like we're like in a, in sort of a battle with commercial cannabis, uh, but like an information battle because we're trying to keep pace with all the younger people getting this idea that it's cookies or that it's Gary Payton or whatever. And they get sucked into that or it's a, a two dollar cart I saw the other day. Can you believe? I don't know what the quality. Two dollars. What can for a half gram be? or something like that? Yeah. What can the quality be? Possibly, you know. So yeah. like kids are kids and young people are getting this idea that that's what cannabis is, and we're like, we need to sort of, you know, not shout it from the rooftops, but when it comes up, when you engage with other people that smoke, yeah, you know, bring it up and talk about like the medicinal side and like the passionate side, and just try to educate people about that. I think it's really important. Because otherwise, it's, it's going to overwhelm because these corporations are so huge and they're so rabid about getting customers. That's, you know, it'll be fewer and fewer people who hold on to like the medicine part of this, you know. Hopefully not I'm I'm trying to be negative, too. but like, I think we need to keep that in mind anyway. No, no, no. It's real because government has control of it. That's the thing. They're, they've allowed it to be legal. We didn't we didn't do anything. The government just allowed it to be legal right now. And we're getting a benefit from it. <clears throat> um. Damn, I went blank again. What are we talking about? Dang it, you have a good point. Oh yeah, in Oklahoma, <laughs> like the gut, like they're changing laws still. It's been five. It's a 2018. Just the just a few months ago, they made a bunch of laws that affected all the commercial growers here and stuff like that. You know, they we still have to obey their rules and all that junk. And uh, people, what you were saying was people don't. Well, I, I think that dude that's wearing the cookies hat and all that, and that's good cookies. Don't get me wrong. We're just doing the stereotype thing. The cookies right. hat and the marijuana leaf and all that, <laughs> they're who the commercial people are playing to. They ain't playing to me. I, I'm past them. I got I got over them a long time ago, and they got nothing on me. They probably got nothing on y'all either. But to buy a vape cart for $2 – you got to understand there is better medicine out there than that. You know, the, the information needs to come with, there's, there's lots of ways to take cannabis. There's lots of ways to use medicine of cannabis that you ingest it and it goes into your liver. It's going to be a heck of a, a heck of a ride being high when you eat an edible, right? If you smoke it and it goes into your lungs, it's going to be a little bit different high. You put it on topical, it's going to do different things to you. But that's understanding, like you're saying, the appre appreciation of cannabis as a medicine. You can't melt down a Tylenol pill and do stuff to it. You have to take it through your freaking mouth. Cannabis is so versatile. And again, it heals a spectrum of illnesses that it deserves more respect than a $2 cart, vape cart. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get the idea yeah. of why you make those. And I get that. But us, people like us who are into it and we really grow it as part of our lives. Yeah, we can do way better than that. Yeah. For me, that like, the, the the golden moment that I'm shooting for, you know, is when you share your flower with somebody and they're like, what, what is this? You know, this is a totally <laughs> different thing. That's cool. Yeah. That's the foot in the door. You can start talking about like, here's why, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Dude, hand an organic flower to somebody, handing some of my blueberry stuff, which I've got in my refrigerator right now. I'll hand it to some of my neighbors or I'll take it to a show or something like that, you know, and just let people smoke on it. Yeah. I, I love watching their face because everybody says the same thing. Oh my gosh, it's so good, right? That's what they say. And they're going to say it every time and I know it. 
Yeah, I love <laughs> it's it. It's a good that's, feeling. You, you know, that's something. It is a good feeling. It does. And you should allow it to be a good feeling. It's your hard work, man. Yeah. That's called passion. That's called passion. <laughs> be proud of what you have, right? There's, right. Not, there's no boasting in that. Damn, it's straight. You did it. It's all you. So you get to be proud of that. And yeah, I love seeing people smoke on my blueberry stuff or some sweet thing like that. And then always saying how good it is. Like, yeah, man, it is. It's good. And I love that you liked it. I liked it. I brought joy to you through this medicine. I could yeah. not give you a freaking it's... Advil and create that kind of happiness. Right? <laughs> no. Damn right. It's a good feeling, man. It's just thing going to happen. Yeah. I didn't make the Advil to begin with. I had to buy it and give it to you. But I made this stuff, man. I made this medicine. And when we smoke it, we start mm. giggling and laughing and all that stuff. Damn yeah. Right. That's the harmony that I'm looking for. That's the harmony in life that makes you feel good. Makes you there's things to live for, y'all. There's things to there's things to be had in life, and th those are the things. If you just live, if you just live in life every day, and you're getting up, and you're in that loop of alcoholism or pills or whatever, guys, there's more to live for. I promise you. And it's out there. And guess what, guys? Nowadays, there's so much more help for mental illness. And <clears throat> back when back when I was just a kid, I remember like like the mentality from either my, my parents or or anybody would just be like, listen. You're either crazy and you need to go to the nut house or pull it together, son. Right? That was it. That that was yeah. the option that I had. And, and so, sorry, I couldn't pull it together. I was a hot freaking mess. I just could not pull it together. But that, there's, it's not like that anymore. We understand what anxiety is. We understand, like, anxiety affects your heart rate, your breathing, your blood pressure. It creates pain in your body. And, and you know, we, there's more. There's numbers to call. There's people to talk to. There's there's Instagram, Facebook, there's websites to go to for people who are mentally sick. You don't have to sit there and suffer, man. I'm telling you, I suffered for too damn long. You don't have to suffer at all anymore. There's help. There's help out there. There's always my Instagram page. Okay, Calix, you, you, you can always email me, message me, anything. This is my life goal is to get you out of depression, anxiety, and get you into a better place. And hopefully cannabis will get you there. <clears throat> You I'm play sure. guitar? Oh, dude. Is that a guitar behind you? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? I'm a musician. I told you that. What is that? Dang. Oh, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's an obvious. Is that six string? Yeah, it's six, six or seven. It looks six. 70. It looks this, like this one's corn. Six. <laughs> <laughs> I do like eight strings, though. I, that's, that, that's my goal. I need a nice eight string. Really? Yeah. I have a Taylor uh, uh, eight string baritone oh, yeah. guitar. Wow. Cool. Real deep acoustic guitar. Oh, yeah. Beautiful sound. Damn right, dude. Nice. I got an acoustic too. But what you got? It's a Fender. Fender, yeah. Fender acoustic. I had a Fender yeah. acoustic in college. <clears throat> I just played with a band this morning, uh, jam with them. I love cannabis and music. I mean, oh, yeah. How perfect can that yeah. go together? Dude, when I was in college <laughs> yeah. and I started smoking cannabis for the, the first time, I started playing guitar around four or five years old, right? I started playing a little banjo and all that stuff. I got in college. Start smoking cannabis, guitar just went boosh and opened up into a whole new world. I was like, I can't believe what I'm hearing and playing. It's just awesome, man. Cannabis and music. Oh, yeah, man. Anything. Anything. You got that right. Makes it all better. <laughs> totally better. I used to have a music room in my house, dude. I had it all padded out with sound equipment, uh, every hardwood floors, everything. And now it's my son's, my twin's room. <laughs> it's all done. <laughs> Damn right. That's how it goes, right? Yep. More <laughs> important, ain't they? Well, dude. Yeah, you've been a you've been an absolute I, pleasure. Dude, yeah. What what time great, is what a great talk. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh yeah. we've been two Three hours. Time, yeah. 17. Oh dang, man, yeah. boy, that went by fast. <laughs> it did. It did. 
We will definitely have to have you back again someday, sir. Yeah, I'll leave. Well, yeah, we didn't even get into organics hard. Yeah, we I mean, about we, all kinds of stuff. We could so keep. About. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have you on again, bud. Yeah, yeah we could definitely, we could yeah. definitely cover a whole lot more with you. <laughs> that's what yeah, we're we about. Yeah, we can talk more. I'd love to. Yeah, we love your passion, dude. Absolutely. Love it. Good. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, so, like, if there's, I just want to say, if there's anything to the idea that, like, you know, we're talking the high talk, like quantum entanglement, that kind of thing, the energy yes. here. So I just like not not like trying to blow smoke up your ass, but if people are thinking about genetics, you just heard the guy who they're coming from. So you know that kind of energy that are going into those seeds. You know, it's something to think exactly. about. Yeah, you bet. Yep, for sure. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you, best way is uh, Instagram and email, you say. That's right. Okay, Calix. Uh, see, at Okay, Calix. And then I have at Okay, Calix Genetics. And that's Oklahoma. Homo, as in okay, and then Calix, C A L X, and it's two X's. Two that's X's. what it is. And I know that I know it's a misspoken. It's a misspoken labeling of the cannabis plant. It's not a calyx. It's actually a bract. Is what it's called. And I actually have the doctoral paper where the confusion came in. You know it. Yeah, but I, I still use the word calyx. But you can also email email me, um, okcalyx at gmail Right. Yeah, and I uh, I tell you what, like again, I have OK Calix Organics as a business, and so I sell inputs. I sell PNF inputs, Dom inputs, Bokashi. I make all kinds of crazy stuff, and I use everything that I sell. But um, I do seeds and all that stuff, man. Y'all interested in it? Uh, give me a holler. Interested in some of that blueberry? That's for yeah. sure, Dude, yeah. for sure. I will. I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to send you all some. You have that blueberry packs. breath. That blueberry nice. breath. That sounds yeah, pretty man. good too. Yeah. Yep. I got um. I got some. Thing, I got a thing called Hash Cream Blues, and it's a blueberry breath. Uh, my the three pheno at F two, and oh. it is so dang good, y'all. Oh my gosh, it's freaking hashy and blueberry and all this stuff. And I mm. smoke it all the time. I got a friend in Sepulpa about five miles away from me, growing it out right now. He's got a jar of it in his in his refrigerator. But yeah, guys. I if y'all uh, after this after this if you're on Instagram, let me get some addresses and man I, I i got some genetics bundles i'll send y'all's way and all right, good bro. stuff in there sounds good yeah. man. appreciate Fun. it man yeah yeah maybe the we could even uh maybe we could put something together for a discord giveaway maybe that would be something we yeah could do. do that oh yeah y'all got yeah. discord yeah, yeah man, man. y'all want to do a giveaway hey okay so let's do this um i'll send i'll send y'all some genetics bundles these genetics right. bundles that i have they're they're over a thousand dollars worth of seeds here they've got about um let's see there's 18 strains, five seeds each. I think it's what it is. It's a bunch. It's good. It's all Damn. really good stuff. Damn, dude. But I'll send y'all cool. some of those. Cool. I got them all packaged up, ready to mail out. Damn, I'll right. tell you what, we're going to fit, like, thank you very much. And we're going to figure out how to give those away so people can get their hands on them. For sure. Yeah, That's right. The joy, y'all, the joy is in the giving of it, right? The joy, the growing of it is the passion. But then when it's all said and done and you get, you know, Kali, the, the thing about cannabis is this I can grow medicine. I can, I can grow it out, I can look at it, I can see it, I can taste it, I can smash it, I can freeze it, I can press it and smoke the flower, and then I can put that in seed form and give it to you. You can't do that with any other freaking medicine we got out there. You know what I'm saying? That Absolutely. is the magic of cannabis, dude. Putting medicine that you know what it's like, what it tastes, how it works, into seed form and give it to somebody else. That's nuts. It blows my mind, man, that <laughs> I can do that. Nice. It is amazing. Nice. Can't beat it, bud. Well, thank you for your time, brother. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yep. do it again. Weekend. We'll do it again. Y'all have a safe week. Appreciate it. Yep. Peace. Peace, y'all. Thank you for listening to Crafting Cannabis. 
Follow us on Instagram at Crafting Cannabis Podcast or visit our website at craftingcannabispodcast.com.